Hello. Greetings. Uh, I, I, the first sound I made was a cough. Yep. Gross. <laughs> I'll do a nasty Ugly. sip. Sorry about that. Yeah. Everyone make a gross ASMR sound. Hello, Spawn uh, Cracker. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Ew, just your universe. speaking voice is gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to uh, the Spine Crackers podcast. Be fellow beloved listeners you're not fellow listeners i don't listen you do yeah yeah just beloved though yeah, very beloved what's going on bibliophiles and book lectures <laughs> all across this great land yeah. it's so great to share our common love for the written word and the smell of ink on a page uh, i think my favorite uh, my least favorite social media term on like booktube and in book instagram or whatever it's is bookish people are like oh i love other mm. bookish people Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's I've like, never heard that one. Well, I've heard um, recently, because you know there's YA for young adult. Oh, I've yeah. OA now, which I assume is old adult. <laughs> OA? Old adult. <laughs> is, that, is that what that stands for? I've like, never heard that. Do we need to like I, demar do we, we need to delineate like old I'm adult? I'm about to look this up now, right? <laughs> I've now. never heard that before. I saw it recently. I thought it was first at that. You know, did you guys watch that stupid show, The OA? Oh, I was going to say, is, are they just referring the to that stupid show? I watched one episode, I think. I watched like two episodes and I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Didn't yeah. love it. Didn't love but it. But I've seen OA in response to YA, and I can only assume it's old adult literature. I remember a, a, a Tinder date like last year told me to watch that, and I was like, we're not going to be together. <laughs> this show is horrible. Yeah, like, Nothing's coming you, up. Back in my day, you, uh, uh, tell me that before we went on this date. Yeah, yeah, you should have mentioned it in your should have been in your bio, now. dude. Yeah, as soon as you said yeah, this, you I'm sent too is, uh, clear a over, packet. Overeaters load. anonymous is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, where did you, Daniel? Where did oh, you? Oh, I've hear never this? heard of that before. Oh, uh, I saw this on Twitter, of course. So I back in my got, day, I probably got uh, tricked. Back in you my day, trolled. old adult fiction was just called large print, dude. <laughs> like we have can a I, word for that already. Can I tell you a sad story? Yes. Um, I I used to uh, way back in the day. I used to work at uh, Borders Books. Legend, legend. Shoutouts to Borders Books. No, no, oh, Barnes and Nobles. I can't remember. Oh, no, not the, the one that's Don't, still. In you can't steal valor from Borders, dude. Sorry, sorry. The one that didn't uh, file for chapter didn't make eleven. It. Oh, yeah, that, yeah the, Barnes and Nobles. That's Barnes, Barnes and Nobles. And Nobles. Mm. Uh, I, I sold their uh, their e-reader, the Nook, uh, oh, yeah, for them that, yeah. during a holiday season once. Uh, and this old lady came in and she was like, she was like, you know, I have horrible eyesight. The cataracts are <laughs> slowly stealing my eyes completely <laughs> shut from the visible world. And I just need the print to be so large and I can't enjoy my love of books anymore. And it makes me want to fucking die and i was like all right well let's do a little tech demo of the nook and see if we can get these <laughs> letters large enough for you lady and uh and i just kept enlarging letters and she was like no and then i kept enlarging it's like i still can't see them and then eventually i was like she was like i can't see them and i was like this is as big as the letters get and she wept Quietly. Oh my god! Damn, and that's this was like dark. three days before Christmas, and she was what just quietly. Fuck? She just quietly cried just next to me for like a minute. You just and, saw someone and coming I just, to terms with the fact they're never gonna read again. Yeah, and I, I mean just that is sad. sat there that's with her. Sad. No, that's really sad. Yeah, you could have just been like, like, "We have books on tape, bitch." 
True. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. It's 2021. Or I guess this was like 2010, maybe. Or <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there, I'm like, so are you buying the thing? Or, <laughs> are I you going to do it all for the nookie? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I made that joke a bunch, That's actually, good. Paul. So I appreciate that. You, said you did? That too. Yeah, of course. No one thought oh. it was funny. If <laughs> You know, if you make the print large enough on any book, it just becomes like a Joyce novel. It's just like one letter on every page. <laughs> <laughs> It really did was that. Like, yeah. God, it's pretty close to that. She's like, yeah. I can't see it. And I was like, lady, who told you you could read anymore? I used to just check out the uh, the big print books when the normal print books were like already checked out from the library. Right. Because like, I remember I did that with uh, Zadie Smith's White Teeth. Ooh. Yes. I was trying to read it from the library and it was all checked out. And then I found it in big print version. And so I read it like a fucking old person. That's epic. But yeah. you feel more. Are they Chad like really big? Are they like bigger? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, I mean, bigger. the book is just like it looks like you're reading like a tome. Like you look right. cool because right. you're like, look at this fucking doorstop I'm reading, but it's really just big print. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You hear that, folks? Life hack. Life hack. Yeah, yeah, that's how you. That's how you come off as smart. For all of our uh, <laughs> our single uh, listeners who read in coffee shops, just get the large print edition. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then you can read The Great Gatsby, and it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the idea also of like a chunky flat book. You remember the like kids books that are made to be like literally like chewed on by infants? No, <laughs> just get, the, I didn't get those know pages this. like real thick, like so you can like really like abuse them. That's awesome. They're like plastically coated. Yeah. I always liked the uh, great illustrated classics uh, for kids where they had a, a picture on every other page. Yes, and they were also mm-hmm. abridged. It was crazy. They were both abridged and they had pictures on every other page. So they were like effectively like 30 pages long. Right. But yeah. they looked like a, a regular book. I prefer books like that to this day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. I could read a book like that in like 30 minutes. It was tight. Yeah. How scared would you be if you saw someone with one of those books, like those big ass, like Matt was talking about with the basically cardboard pages and they had a bunch of dog ears in it? It's just like, that's, that's, that's epic. They just fucking go ape and dog ear like <laughs> cardboard yeah. pages yeah probably really smart <laughs> well speaking of going ape <laughs> this, oh. is a, this is a joe rogan podcast this is the this is the <laughs> joe rogan experience <laughs> jamie jamie can we pull up uh pull it up jamie can we get the uh the sensory deprivation tank going imagine if chimpanzees never existed how crazy it would be to see one <laughs> yeah i'm high i'm high right now i smoked before the, the, the smoke before i got on yeah. uh no this is this is the spine crackers podcast and uh i'm gabe i'm matt i'm jeweling i'm paul and uh you uh, astute listeners may have noticed the fourth voice in in the mix here and uh it's a longtime friend of the show we've had him on before you know him you love him it's daniel from the viva la dude podcast what's up daniel hey everybody thanks for having me on guys thanks for coming back of course man thanks for being the fourth white male out of the four of us (laughs) yeah yeah that's the well, we, I, you know I figure like the way I'm looking at the Zoom screen right now it's like one of those political compass um, <laughs> tests or oh, whatever shit. and I'm in the I, if I remember correctly I'm in like the neoliberal corner so or at least on my screen I am so top left I'm yeah I'm gonna you know my entire analysis of this book is gonna be like basically as if Hillary Clinton. Uh, <laughs> 
Reddit. We should stick. So to, yeah, that would be so. That's a good idea. to Just stick to it. Yeah. I'm in the authoritarian right, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, top left is sense. authoritarian left. New well, liberals like just the center. Well, Matt, in my screen, Matt is like the the like social democratic. Oh Matt's shit! Bottom yeah, left. Bottom we're in, left. We're in different. Yeah, oh left. man, that's gonna fuck it Damn. up bad. Yeah. yeah. We, well, this is too confusing. I'm sorry. I introduced yeah. this idea. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even mention that we're on Zoom. We're actually in the same room together, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a we're joke. Yeah, we're, we're in our recording studio in, in Texas. Yeah, yeah we're, we live in Texas now. We decided to move there after the abortion law. That Joe, <laughs> yes. That's the reason we're moving we there. Were, yeah. We were very supportive of that. Hey, it's we're actually just trying to make some ten, trying to make $10,000. That's right? right. It's not an yeah. ideological endorsement. We're just doing it for the hustle. Yeah, yeah. I'm Dog the Bounty Hunter of these people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, ready to have come a bunch on. of kids. No, that's a, that yeah, can't that's be a fucking insane <laughs> fucking law, dude. What, like, yeah. what is happening right now? Yeah, that's. Uh... Well, you know what they used to say about the development of the fetus in an old and discredited scientific theory is that um, it's either phylogeny recapitulates ontology or it's the other one around, which is kind of the working theory of what the book. Is dealing oh, with here we go. in which the development of the fetus nice sort segue. of recreates the evolutionary chain up to the point of you know becoming Homo sapien. We should uh, we should probably say what the book is. So it's this That's this a week. A, uh, that was a triple A out of a nosedive. No, that was I just epic. want everyone to say that, that, that was that epic. Was <laughs> let's all, let's all give Matt a round of applause. I need uh, golf yeah, claps, please. Elegant. Thank you. So um, this week we're reading uh, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Uh, just kidding. We are. What are, what are we reading, Paul? This this week. It's not my pick. Yeah, I know, but just Matt's say the pick. name and then make Matt. We talk read about it. Altered States, <laughs> which is uh, I forgot the guy's name already. Patty Chayefsky. Patty Chayefsky. Patty. Not his birth name, by the way, obviously, but... It's uh, not? I didn't know that. No. I don't actually remember what his real name is. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Uh, Patty Chayefsky. Uh, my my choice, everybody. Oh, uh, okay. His 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 birth name is Sidney Aaron Chayefsky. Okay. Is that, was that just too Jewish, or why did Why would he... you change your name to I don't Patty? know. I actually read that he... Well, I, never mind. We'll get into it later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well... So yeah, Matt, this is your pick. What's up? Why 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 do we read this book? And yeah, why why up? what's it why? about? I mean, this was no a bit of just Paul. like a bit of a yeah. I, okay, Paul, are you okay? Uh, I chose it because you know it was a bit of a just more of a curio than anything else. Like I wasn't um I wasn't I was obviously aware that this wasn't going to be a, a, some sort of literary tour de force or anything. But but I love the film. You know, the Ken Russell film that I, I'm sure more people have definitely seen. Definitely a better interpretation Very of famous the material. Sci-fi Very famous film. Um, and uh, also, just Patty Chayefsky is an amazing screenwriter. You know, he, he did Network as probably his most famous movie. Uh, he also wrote Marty. The Hospital. Marty. All worth checking out. Um, and a lot of, like, really good, like, teleplays, they used to call them, for, like, early television. And uh, this is his first and only novel, I believe. Uh, and it just interested me. I remember watching the movie for like the third time and like finally hearing something about how it was based on the novel by the screenwriter. And uh, 
the movie itself was disowned by Patty Chayefsky, which is why I never like made the connection before. Um, so uh, yeah, I was just I was just curious. It seemed like a fun, dumb, like pulp novel by someone who actually has like some pretty decent writing chops in like a different format, and I was curious. Yeah, I didn't Did it live up to your expectations. That's a spoiler alert, dude. I had a fun time. T- that's what I'll say. I, it's wow. stupid, but I had a fun time reading it. I didn't it. even know, I don't know about you, the rest of you guys, but I didn't even know that there was a novel at all. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I, when, I, when I went to order this book at my bookstore, they were like looking at me like I was some pretentious asshole trying to find the rare book. Because they were like, this is only in German. Well, it is out of print. You can't buy it really now, except use. Right. Yeah. Right. Or during, or in certain, well worthwhile to uh, donate to websites. Yeah. Facts. (laughs) Or you get it. uh, You get the PDF emailed to you by you guys. What? Yeah. We didn't do that. No. I load it it onto my Kindle, uh, and read it there. Hell yeah! (laughs) Wow. These are all viable working options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't seem like something we would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. I'm not saying this. That's what happened. I'm saying <laughs> it's one yeah. possibility. It's one possible. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we realities. we've all seen the movie or no? Yeah, Paul, I you have, have not seen. it, I have right? not seen it. Okay, yeah. epic. This is my first taste of the altered states world. You will love the movie. I almost. I'm excited you. to watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. The movie's the movie's great. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It, it, I, yeah, think go it, ahead, I think Drew Barrymore's in it, right? She does. She is. She plays uh, their daughter. Oh yeah, shit! One like of her, her early child. One of her early child debut. Yeah. I think it's her f- cinematic debut. It's possible. The movie um, was 1980. The movie's 1980. Right? The book is 1978. Well, and she was in ET, right? And that was 1980. Yes. So okay, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Also, also, uh, the great William Hurt's film debut. Yes, William really? Hurt's debut. Yeah. 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 Oh shit, was it? Yep, it was his yeah, first I didn't film. He had, that was his he had debut. done he had done some TV stuff, but he was mostly known as a stage actor before oh. uh, Altered States. Baby Hurts. Yeah. Good looking Interesting. guy. Yeah. So. So yeah. So he was like a, a theater guy, like a drama guy. Yeah. Exactly. And this was his his pivot to the silver screen. That's right. <laughs> William Hurt, also shout out just because it's culturally apropos or timely, is uh, he was in the post Lynchian made for TV Dune adaptation <laughs> as, oh, Duke, as Duke Leto, and uh, was I thought also very good. It mm. just looks cringe now because of the CGI of the early you know 2000s. I never Which saw that. I think, the, I think a lot of the special effects in Altered States, the movie, hold up pretty Way well. Way better, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think so. You know, is the we movie should... like pretty accurate to this book? It's very similar. Yeah, very it's similar. like almost okay. beat for beat the same plot wise. Like, yeah, they really don't like veer off the what we what we read. Well, and part of that okay. I think is because, and it's you know we may maybe it sounds like we're talking about the movie a lot, but it's hard to disentangle the two. It was the first obviously. encounter for most of us. Um, here. It was a that and b obviously the the same writer and Chayefsky was like notoriously kind of a dick about it a little bit. And he wanted he it super to be precious on, it. like on this, uh, he wanted to be on set every day, like getting every detail from the book. Oh shit. My dog just threw up. 
<laughs> that was the strangest throw up noise I've ever heard in my whole life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You, just even, you definitely didn't have to tell us because I knew right away when I heard that yeah. fucking sound, dude. I thought it was Dan's cat having a hairball. So, uh, For a second, I was just like, hold on. Yeah, do you, you, you want to take clean a that minute, up, right? Yeah, I'm gonna, you, you guys can go on ahead. <laughs> well, no, just to continue on what someone was saying about him being sort of like controlling about the adaptation. I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I did a little reading on him coming into this and like, this was his only novel and yeah. he had previously only done screenplays. So I'm sure he like, or I assume that he like wrote this with an eye towards it being a movie, right? Like, yeah. and it even kind of read, it didn't read like a novel all that much. Like it, it, it almost read like something that he was planning on being adapted to screen. So I think it was like, that was part of the larger vision. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I think what Gabe was going to say before he, his dog puked was, uh, <laughs> Before you guys got on, he was telling me that the studio like made him write the novel. They were like, make it, make it a novel first, for whatever oh, reason. Interesting. So he like kind so of. So they knew they, they knew they wanted to make a movie, and they were like, do a novel first. I am, yeah, I forget exactly what Gabe said, but they basically like hmm. said, we want it to be a novel first, and he begrudgingly wrote it. That's okay. what I understood from what Gabe said. I don't know. That would definitely be important background to know because. You know, I mean, it's just an interesting artifact, like I said. And he had literally never done a novel before, so if it were something like forced on him by a studio, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's written like, like that. It recalls the classic debate: like, is the book better than the movie, or is the movie better than the book? Right? Like, and right. almost, I feel like conventionally, what happens is people say the book is always better than the movie. But like, I don't know. With the, in this case, you know, I mean, The Shining's better. The Shining's better as a movie, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I like the book I think better. I, I would agree with that take, actually. Ooh, I like the book I mean, a lot. Paul, actually, your take is rarer, so what, why, why? Why do I like The Shining more? The yeah. book? Yeah. Because it's actually the, the same reason that Stephen King didn't like the movie, is that like Jack is crazy from the beginning and doesn't really go on an arc towards evil in the in the movie. But in the book, he has like... He like kind of slowly changes and gets like... You know, the hotel kind of gets into his subconscious and he turns crazy and you feel like way more sympathy for him and the family. But in the movies, they're like driving in the mountains and he's already looking at his family like he wants to murder them. <laughs> that's just Jack I mean, Nicholson I love the movie, but that's, that's a Jack big... Jack Nicholson's eyebrows, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm well, going to kill you, son. Well, <laughs> that's, Gabe, that's can, you, can you confirm, like, w w I didn't read this, but, like, did you hear that, like... The studio was kind of pushing for a novelization before a script was even. That's what made? that's the story that I heard. I don't have a source offhand about it, but the, what I heard was he originally wanted to just do it as a screenplay and make the movie, and then he took it to a studio, and they I I don't even really understand why a studio would do this, but they were like, "We'll novelize it first, and then." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe they thought that if it was a novel and then it sold well, a screenplay of it would do better. Because it's kind of an out there concept for just to just drop a movie about, I guess. Um, it it was a rarity. Was he? was he like in 10th grade when he wrote this book? Or? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's like it's got a, it's definitely got some freshman college dorm vibes where it's like. <laughs> no, he was an, he was an older gentleman. Yeah, I believe. I don't know how old he was when he wrote this, but it was later in his career, right? Yeah, I mean, he had all the all the other stuff that he had, you know, it was from like the fifties to the early seventies. All oh, the yeah, goodwill, like which is why they let 50s him fifties or whatever. Yeah, there's only one way this could have like um, made it past. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, he died in 1981. He he died super young. He was he wasn't even 60, I don't think. No, yeah, uh, yeah. So he was like 62 or something. But like, yeah, um, he he all the things that allowed him the goodwill in order to like be like even regarded as somebody who could sell this idea right. were all from the past. Like, he had, he had done all the stuff. And, I mean, I think there's a reason, not commenting on the quality of the book, but, like, there's a reason this is his only novel. It's because he didn't even want to write it as a novel in the first place. I mean, he's apparently. a genius screenplay writer, obviously. I mean, yeah, know, Net- Network in the Hospital. I've never seen Marty, but I've seen Network in the Hospital, and those are, like, you know, all-time great movies. So, he his, yeah, yeah like, like Matt was saying, like, his what he was known for was screenplays, right? He was a fucking legend. Uh, yeah. And they're like, Still, whatever you day. want, bro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you're going to do a thing about a man turning into a monkey? <laughs> you probably yeah. made it nice. You probably made it really interesting and good and smart. And yeah, it's funny because, like, reading this book, like, I knew he, he, he there's a little, like, afterward at the end, and he's like, he spent like two years boning up on a bunch of science he didn't know. Oh yeah, uh, he did his fucking homework. Yeah, and that is probably one of the greatest weaknesses, in my opinion, <laughs> of the novel. Yeah. Yes, dude. Is, is how much he's trying to sell this fucking he, bogus concept. <laughs> he clearly uh, got lost in the sauce. He got lost in the sauce. That's all you can say. <laughs> this man was. I mean, too, it, yeah. yeah. It came across like a like I said a tenth grader who like his dad had National Geographic magazine and like Quantum for kids on on the desk and he was like oh I'm gonna write a novel about a monkey man man <laughs> I mean I, I just wanna I do want to get this out there this is by far the worst book I've read in a long time <laughs> it was absolutely hilariously bad right I mean elephant in the room Let's it was go. terrible wait Did you have no, fun Paul that's I had like fun a, this is well this is a good I don't want to like take over, but I do my first thought when I, I started writing some notes for, to bring up or whatever, but like I, so I, I know that he did network and the hospital, which are both like satirical films to some extent. Right. And so my first initial thought was like, is this also satire? Yes. Like what do you, cause like, like Paul was just saying, there is this very sort of like freshman dorm, like smoking pot kind of like vibe where, it's like, and like you just said, like when he goes deep, he tries to go deep into the fucking science and shit. And it just, it doesn't hit, it doesn't land well. And so I'm just wondering, yeah. like, do you guys think that there's like an element of satire to this? I, I hope so. I don't know. I don't know how it struck you, Matt, but that didn't really cross my mind because it feels so earnest to me. Like it feels so, it feels so try hard. With, yeah. the, with, like, the science and the, like, all that sort of stuff. Um, Even, like, the love story felt, like, very personal, too. It felt like he was trying to really get yeah, something like through with that love story. And, you know. you know, just, like, historically, <laughs> it sort of it, it sort of comes at, 
at like the one like the hinge point one of the hinge points or sort of like the it's of the era of like the hangover from like the real kind of interest in this stuff you know like the lsd and tripping and ayahuasca and whatever like the heyday the heyday of all that was way before this book timothy leary and timothy leary and and i think one of the big influences for shayevsky specifically was john lilly who yeah. uh, did invented the isolation? Invented tank. the isolation tank and did uh, did some like legit, from what I understand, legitimately valuable scientific work on like dolphin communications, like dolphin vocalizations and stuff. Hmm. Um, but then went into like I'm going to try to talk to dolphins and 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 then <laughs> oh, yeah. it ultimately wound up at like aliens stole my penis. I think he wound up. <laughs> Believing. Lily, Lily is w- one of the most fun biographies you could possibly read. Like, just yeah. absolutely all over the fucking map. Like, genuine, probably sure. brilliant person. But yeah, like Leary and stuff, he just, he got like, <laughs> like the book, and it makes sense, he got lost in the sauce, dude. <laughs> yeah. All, <laughs> Big all time. These, all these people the got sauce. so lost in the sauce. <laughs> got lost like, in the tank. To the point where he's on ketamine and he's like, there's there's 12 hierarchies of angel aliens that live, you know, in different layers above the cause. It's just like it's and so they stole crazy. My penis. And they stole my penis. <laughs> also I have also I have quantum blood. Yeah. Apparently. Just like yeah. yeah. Solid state consciousness and like fucking the echo thing whatever. It's just, I, it's just like that meme of the the guy that's just like, "Hey John C. Lily, how's it going?" He's like, aliens stole my penis. It's just like, like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember, like, one of the first passages in, like, the first, like, 10, 20 pages, he's, like, they're describing, like, the narrator's describing him, like, having sex with God. Yeah. And just, like, (laughs) orgasming in God or whatever. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? So, I guess we should probably run through just quickly, like, did you guys do that when I was cleaning up my dog barf? Just, like, the plot? I no, didn't we did not do that. We should is do that. Is that on me? It, yeah, it, traditionally. We ended up talking about The Shining when you were gone. Oh, that's what's up. Good at it. We talked about whether like books or movies are better, like the book is better than the movie and vice versa. We had to do it. Yeah, we yeah. have to do it. Which I'm sure we'll return to, but yeah. anyway. Well, it, I mean, it, it matters a lot then to have noted that potentially this was a... Uh, Made under duress, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Coerced but, novelization. But, but he also gave it a lot of thought with the science. Two years of research, so that, yeah. that adds to the interest too. So well, he was forced to do it, but also researched a lot. So, so, so the plot is like this brilliant scientist named Eddie Wright Jessup. Um, he's a. He's like. He's studying. I don't know, something a little bit more grounded on Earth, like uh, uh, the state of consciousness of, like, schizophrenics uh, Yeah, or I think originally he's working with schizophrenics, yeah. And um, he starts fucking around with... the mo- or, or, I'm sorry, the movie, Jesus Christ. The, uh, the book takes place over, what, a decade? I think maybe a, maybe a little bit less, but around there, yeah. Yeah. So there's these, like, the chap... The sort of, like, there's, like, no chapters, but there's these breaks... Where it's like a kind of different set of years or whatever, and, and it gives like the location. It's like, oh, you know, Harvard fucking Gryffindor common room, nineteen sixty two or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
and it just kind of charts the intellectual development of this guy who's very brilliant, Eddie Jessup, and he's studying schizophrenics and consciousness and like kind of just trying to locate the. Uh, it's got it's got a lot of that cosmic horror thing going on too, but like yeah, like the the seat of consciousness and like you know etc. And he's sort of like casually messing with isolation chambers as well. Um, I actually you side know, hustle. I just forget why, and he's friends with a lot of other academics, and a lot of academics kind of in various dis- disciplines make an appearance, and it's a very like cross disciplinary positive book, uh, kind of. But like, so he meets these like anthropologists and stuff, and uh, his, wife his wife is in anthropology, right? His wife Emily is an, also an anthropologist, and uh, at some point. She's kind of like a Jane Goodall figure. Yeah, she like studies chimps and yeah. All these people I feel like are definitely based yeah on like existing scientists from that general time period of the '60s to the late '70s. But like, I forget what the leap is from him studying that to moving out. He hears about some drug after initially stepping into psychedelics that is like uh, promising and it's kind of like effects in terms of his own theories. Well, he, I mean, one of the, the, from a character perspective, at least like one of the original important things is that as he tells Emily, like maybe this might've been the scene you were referring to Daniel, where during like a post coital moment, she's like, what do you think about during sex? And he's like the cross and Jesus yeah, yeah. on the cross. Oh, and, yeah. And that, he, dude, that's and, such a good move, by the way, for all you single men out there. Yeah. You know? If you guys are having uh, problems, try it out. Yeah. If you get, if you get, if you're lucky enough to get laid and uh, she asks you about what you were thinking about during sex, <laughs> definitely say you were thinking about Jesus Christ. Yeah. On the Old cross. Father. Yeah. And, and he kind of like reveals in that moment that he had like religious visions as a child and was sort of like a sensation in his small town that he was from for a little while. Right. And so that's kind of like the grounding moment of his interest in kind of like extra perceptual experiences or whatever. Also just to, to your point about like the, the move to Mexico, I think he meets a guy like, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he like, he's Mexican and he like takes him to Mexico and he's like, Oh yeah, they, you know, I know this tribe that, eats this like crazy fucking mushroom or whatever. Right. And yeah. that's like, like, it's like a, that's after Rogan he's moved on. It's after he's moved on from his sensory deprivation research or whatever. But he's right. basically talking about psilocybin. Like he's talking about the Amanita muscaria or whatever, which is yeah. right. Like the, the, I mean, it's like the little red mushroom with white polka dots on it. The, the like, yeah. Right. Isn't that the same mushroom that's in Mario Kart? The guy? Yes. <laughs> Toad. Toad yep. Yeah. Toad, There's well. theories about that, bro. If you really want to <laughs> delve into it for real, that's a Patreon. That's Patreon only yeah. content. <laughs> we could play Mario Kart and talk about that. Go I mean, the there's all rights. kinds of theories about like the like that Amanita like being a foundational Christian uh, uh, sort of drug cat like a catalyst for that kind of thing. I think there's a little doff of the cap to William James and like the varieties of religious experience and like, yeah, all that shit about like you know people with uh, psychosis and stuff like uh, being the progenitor of prophecy and religious vision and all that. Um, But yeah, he ends up taking this new kind of esoteric drug out in Mexico with this tribe uh, and having this uh, very singular experience that apparently was like consistent and repeatable and then that draws it into the scientific inquiry portion 
uh, and they get in. Well, he also eats a lizard during that. Remember? Yes, he does. Eat a which is moment. which is foreshadowing. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, it's never. Co- yeah, it's never established. Well, he, right. doesn't he claim that they like are setting him up to think that he like, did that? He, like, yeah, he basically he, thinks he that the, 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 the tribe, the gringo, that yeah. the tribe was trolling yes. him. Yeah. yeah. So so he he ends up trying to like bring this thing back and and it ends up being real like there's a there's some sort of bizarre property with this particular compound that allows there to be a um what a phenomenological instantiation of one's um consciousness in well, what I mean I think his theory as I understand it is that it's a way of like accessing genetic memory right. of like er, you know early human like pre-human like simian creatures that he believes is like embedded or encoded somewhere deep in our like DNA structure or whatever and this drug is a way of reliably like gaining access to that memory so shenanigans ensue is the point uh, yeah yeah the man has a hard time maintaining his relationship, but it comes back. It's important, you know. Love is all you need, and uh, <laughs> yeah. And he turns it. He eventually. I mean, it becomes very. He turns into a monkey. He turns <laughs> into a monkey, a little monkey man. <laughs> he turns into a four foot tall little monkey man. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's fighting dogs, and he's in the zoo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he yeah. absolutely just Donkey Kongs some security guards. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's kind of what I was picturing, like a small, like a small Yeti type Donkey Kong monkey yeah. man. It's Diddy Kong. He's Diddy. Kong. Yeah, he's Diddy. Kong. Yeah. He's, Diddy. he's got the backwards cap and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eating a banana. Yeah. But he has so, Joe Rogan's face because of sleep deprivation chambers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want to read a little chunk that I highlighted in, in er, super early on. I have a Kindle, so it's telling me the fucking percentage as opposed to the page number. But uh, Gross. If you tap it, it changes. It should change. No, it didn't. Oh, never mind. I have some. It's so old. Yeah, I have like one from 2015. <laughs> it tells me percentages, too. <laughs> That's yeah. A, yeah. yeah. Well, so, oh, you found it? Okay. Yeah, let me read this. Uh, this is so. This is very early on, and this is you know. So like, they get it rolling fast. Like, um, and I think he's taken. This is like an early instant instantiation of him like taking hallucinogens and having experience. One thing seemed immediately shatteringly clear. Aside from the beach hallucination, this Im- uh, his imagery was of a physiological nature. Apparently, one brings into the hallucination the constructs of one's ordinary life. He was a physiologist, therefore, his hallucinations would be within physiological forms. He was looking at his own brain now, moving into the grayish masses of thundering neurons, concerned for the moment with a curious contradiction. Since his hallucinations and his awareness of the hallucinations were both products of his own brain, how could one detachedly observe the other, especially as his self-awareness was now taking the shape of a swollen, obviously aroused (laughs) vagina, into which his whole body was plunging with trembling anticipation. <laughs> Damn, this is hot, dude. Keep oh, going, yeah, keep going. I mean, hard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the other thing too. There is a like current of sexuality in this that is also very like uh, awkward. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that this this book read like like a Bigfoot erotic fan fan novel <laughs> that like I've read plenty of. It was just without the hardcore sex in there. Yeah, yeah the same writing style. Except it's a, it's like except instead of Bigfoot, it's like a 
multi-dimensional sort of reverted consciousness entity. Honestly, so some like, of them are that weird, for real. Like, it, it's not even that far off. Yes. <laughs> I believe it. Splor- splorching? Yeah, come on. <laughs> so that's One like of my his favorites. Er- first trip. That's like his first I mean, this is experience. why I, like, originally was like, is this satire? Like, is this a joke? Oh, I was you about know. to say, Daniel, I, I'm I'm so with you because like I yeah my my two other it's the hospital and 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 you know network. I was like, he must be like clowning on academics he, and shit. Yeah. Well, academics m- smashing into the reality of like all the hippie shit. He was also w- grew up and like witnessed and was an adult to like actually experience firsthand like the hysteria around, you know the the John C. Lillies and the Timothy Learys and like, um. So yeah, for a long while I was like, he must be joking. He must be saying, right. "Look how silly," and yeah. look at, and I'm going to like the joke is going to be that like, it's just return to monk. What all these people are doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, well, I even ended like up the whole like, like Gabe that it was earnest. Even like the whole setup is like he's supposed to be this brilliant, you know, genius Harvard. Uh, uh, whatever his fucking title is, like physiologist. I don't even remember. Psychophysiologist. Yeah. So, but like, he's like, he's this brilliant, uh, you know, PhD academic, but yet he is literally reverting to like this proto human monkey state. And so there's this like tension between like, he's brilliant on the one hand, but he's also like trying to sort of attain this like simple state of, uh, you know, nothingness. I, you know, Erase, essentially erasing all of his intellect, you know? I don't know. But but I'm, I agree, like, I thought it was satire until, like, the last 25% of the book. Yeah. Which is, like, I feel like he is, like, it's almost saccharine how, like, earnest he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? He kind of, he kind of, like, just lays it all on the table at the last half, or the last 25%, for sure. Like, yeah. He really just has people monologuing exactly what he's just overtly what he's trying to like get at basically right. by the he's end. He's just like, I love you, Emily. I love you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, love is yeah. just it's it. It's all we have, and it's just Rick and Morty like fucking. Yeah, it's just so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, I think I do think it is worth mentioning that this is a like participating in 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 uh, obviously the long and well-established tradition of mad scientist narratives right yes. like it's frankenstein it's the island of dr moreau it's rick and morty it's like yeah, it's, dr it's, jekyll mr hyde yes yeah. exactly and yeah maybe yeah maybe jekyll and hyde is like a even more like it's a better example, direct reference yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to derail the summary. So anyway, what happened? We don't. There's so no he, rails here. Nah, there's yeah, there's no. And then that's the end of my summary. Is like you know, like he 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 ends up uh, unlocking a a a truth. You know, some sort of mm-hmm. primordial truth. The thing that all scientists are are seeking to eventually ground you know themselves within and and hope to. And but he doesn't like it, and uh, you know I don't know. He finds the chaos underneath all existence and and it's not a truth worth bringing into humanity because it doesn't matter in the face of love i, right. I don't know no i think that's right i mean i i think i guess i think i guess the only other like character point we should mention is that specific one of the other things that specifically like kind of um 
preoccupies him is the death of his father, which obviously they, right. they grew up religious and all that. And he had these religious visions. And then he sees his father just die this like horrible death over like a long period of time. That's just pain and just seems pointless and sort of it gets him. It's just the classic sort of just like, well, if there's all this pain, then how could God be real? And then I'm going to, and then he goes into science. And then by the end of the book, it's that, that sort of truth that he discovers is that like my interpretation, maybe anyway, but like, yeah, there is actually nothing on the other side. It's just dark and it is terrible and pointless, but that, you know, it's like this existentialist point, right? They're like, okay, that just lends all the more meaning to the here and now. And then he embraces his wife and I'm, I'm going to... Touches gonna, her butt. Yeah. All that really matters is I'm a monkey and I get to touch my wife Emily's butt <laughs> on her tush. Yeah. Monkey, monkey wife butt grab. <laughs> Simeon hands wrinkling. So it's, furry, it's, furry it's a sort arms. of like return to the... To the material, right? It's like he's been off neglecting his wife and child and obsessed, uh, uh, which is another major theme, just like generally obsession, specifically with the search for truth or whatever. And he finally realizes, like, I've been sacrificing too much of my actual life for this abstract thing that I, turns out doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There is no truth I assume, is his conclusion. I assume that all of these themes that are, you know, they're pretty interesting on paper or not in this particular, <laughs> on, but you know what I mean? Not on like this paper, <laughs> not on this paper right now. In it this depends way. on how you tell the story <laughs> that these themes can come across in like a profound, meaningful way. And I assume that the yeah. movie does a better job with all. No, this. it just, no, it, <laughs> no, is the well, movie well, kind of a, the movie? The, no, the movie's just fun, dude. It's just not, it's not preoccupied with what fucking Chayefsky's preoccupied with. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, just it think about like, uh, think about like a fucking monkey emerging from the sensory deprivation chamber. Dude, it's fucking epic. It's fucking cool as shit, dude. Yeah. Like, he just but comes what, out and fucking goes crazy. Yeah. What movie can, is it like similar to? Well, I mean, I think that's the other thing is that it's, uh, in terms of where it falls historically, it's obviously, in my view, kind of a precursor to, to stuff like The Fly or like Videodrome in terms of like body horror and like oh, weird yeah. like 80s sci-fi kind of hallucinatory stuff. It is very, bo- right. yeah, there is a very body horror, like that. that is what it is, yeah. If any of y'all have seen Ken Russell's stuff and somehow not seen Altered States, he's got a good track record of, of you know, yeah, being visually interesting and very like kind of gross. I'm not super familiar with his other work, honestly, Ken Russell. But I also heard in doing a little research for this that after this movie, because of the drama with Chayefsky, he was essentially blacklisted in in working in Hollywood specifically. What was yeah. the drama? Well, th- like we talked about, like they didn't get along on set. Ken Russell oh, yeah. was actually the the second director for this movie, and it took him yeah. a long mm-hmm. time to to even find him after the first guy quit, who I don't remember his name. You know what this? kind of. You know what this kind of reminded me of? You guys have seen that movie Flatliners? Yeah, no. I think so. While yeah, I mean, I guess the the Flatliners is like it's a group of like similarly over like overly educated fucking grad students and scientists who like purposefully kill themselves and then bring themselves bring themselves back to life so that they can like get a glimpse of the afterlife or whatever and like report on what they experienced but i guess 
it kept reminding me of that. It's like a, it's from 1990 Flatliners, so it's like a little bit later. Mm. But it, it reminded me of that because of just like the whole theme of like, like a big part of this book was like the ethics of re, of scientific research. You know, like yes, what are you definitely. allowed to do, and should you be able to experiment on yourself, and like how reliable is your are your findings from like a self experiment you know mm-hmm. like because that was the big thing with him was like you know i gotta do this i gotta like take these drugs and do this thing over and over again so we can like quantify and and put into sort of measurable terms exactly what i'm experiencing you know that was like a big theme about this was like honestly like fucking like re- academic research methods definitely you know? definitely because <laughs> there's i forget what's his name parish mason parish yeah, is his sort of like, uh, you know, he has two kind of collaborators on these experiments. It's it's what's the other guy's name? Rutherford? No, Rosenberg. Rosenberg. Yeah. Um, Rosenberg and, and Parrish and Parrish is the sort of like even more sort of hard scientific skeptical like this is crazy. There's a rational explanation for everything that's happening, et cetera, et cetera. And he kind of serves as the like academic kind of proceduralist finger wagger throughout the whole thing like he's dude like Scully. yeah he's the rationalist cuz like the he's whole Scully, time, exactly yeah he's kind of yeah. Elon from Ghostbusters <laughs> yes Egon, Egon 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 and Scully yeah don't well, call him Elon dude Elon Jessup, no, no. that's a slur that's a slur these days <laughs> sorry Jessup starts out as this kind of like uber rationalist scientist type but then he you know moves on and and basically like he the only way he can make sense of what he's experienced is is through like this spiritual vocabulary that he adopts at the end. Yeah. Uh and yeah, like Rosenberg and Parrish are supposed to represent, I guess, the sort of scientific, you know, counterpart to that. Um but yeah, I you know, I don't know, like I it's because I'm a I fucking, you know, went to grad school for half a decade, you know, like I kept shout out. Yeah. Like the the research sort mm. of the ethics of the research part of it was like a big thing that I, that kept grabbing my attention. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, some of the, I mean, again, maybe this is just cause again, like Daniel, that's kind of my hashtag lived experience, but I thought the, uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that some, I thought that the, the, the writings about like the, the parts of the book that were explicitly about academia and sort of like the, the comportment of academics and stuff were like some of the most effective actually. Yeah, I was going to ask you like there was like scenes where they were like, you know, it was like eight or 10 academics out at a bar and like they were very caricatured, but at the same time they were like, I don't know about you, but like I have actually been in those exact situations where I'm like out at a bar with people who are just like, going off on the most stupid shit ever. Right. It's like just the most fucking parochial, like arcane nonsense. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously I don't, I'm not, science is not my background, but it's just like, yeah. but it is like, it is like a, it's almost like a right wing caricature of like a, liberal academics or whatever, but it's like, it's not wrong. <laughs> totally. You know, it's like, yes. I don't know. Academics is my profession. Science is my passion. Are, <laughs> <laughs> stereotypes are real. <laughs> All oh, that's yeah, yeah. that's the uh, uh, official position <laughs> of the Spinecrackers podcast. No, no, it is not. Well, but, you guys, so Matt, Matt, and Paul, you guys aren't in academia. So I mean, like, no, what no. is your sense of like, you know, egghead Harvard 
fucking you know science types like do you think that this was i mean do you get the sense that this was like an accurate depiction of these people or do you think it was lampooning them or it's tough because the guy turns into a monkey right (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah it's like is that a metaphor like what is he trying to say yeah I, i i mean Again, like I said before, like I, I thought this was a funny. I thought this was supposed to be more funny than it ended up. I ended up thinking it was because I think Gabe's correct that this is like a fully earnest and deeply researched and like yeah, like serious endeavor by. Chai That's Esco. what made it way more funnier to me, though. It <laughs> was funny, like, a meta funny for sure. Yeah, yeah. someone like trying was serious hard, trying about it. Yeah, because <laughs> initially I was like. This is such a fun burn if, like, it's just all this, like, shit, and it's so deeply researched, and it's just about how, like, dumb and, like, destructive and, like, the I fucking love science folks are. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. It's like, I hadn't no, thought about they, that, but, yeah, that's right, dude. The I fucking love science guys. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, a meaningless chaos universe that they all want us to, like, you know, commune with and turn into, like, amoebas. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it just felt so, so earnest by the end of it where it's just like, no, dude, like he's trying to like thread the needle of like and explain to you very pedantically like how, where science ends and the spiritual begins and how like yes, there, you still yes. need to make this like Kierkegaardian leap of faith and, right. you know, because there's this unbridgeable gap between like the fucking unknowable chaos of the uncaring universe and, and you know, I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It's like, it felt very serious at the end of the day, at the end of the book. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Dan, I, those, uh, those yeah. particular parts, I kind of, I'm just like not in that world at all, so I just kind of, I tended to glaze over them. You know, when oh, I go out to the bar, I'm talking to people about like trucks and power tools. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> yeah, a different, it's a different on, experience. Bro. <laughs> I, yeah, we we don't yeah. we don't float in those circles. I've never been at like uh, uh, like, I mean I've been I, like you know I I lived in uh, New York City and uh, went ooh, to Brooklyn ooh. Brooklyn social gatherings. Uh, I mean the fact that you guys are on a literature you have a literature podcast like I'm sure you are familiar with the types. You just have wisely decided to not you know make it your life, which. You know, a, a I cocktail that. party with strictly PhDs, I can genuinely say I've never been to, and I just don't know what that's like. It's terrible. It's ex- it's like the worst thing. I've been in a Brooklyn imagine. bar with a bunch of humanities BAs. <laughs> that's <laughs> Honestly, as that's, as be- I can that's say better I though. To. That's better in my experience, <laughs> including myself, obviously. But like, yeah, you yeah. know, that's the closest I've ever gotten. I mean, I went to art school though, so my those social gatherings were worse in a different way too. Just oh like shit. Yeah. Art school people. Almost like the opposite. Yeah. Wait, what's your what's your like artistic medium that you work in or that you used to work in maybe? Digital digital illustrations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But I went to school for drawing and painting. Okay, so you're you like do a digital 2D, paintings. Two dimensional kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Nice. N- yeah. No sculpture. No sculpture. No jinx. Yeah. Yet. Jinx by me I- monkey man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but that, so, I thought Matt, Matt, what you were just saying though about like where does this, where does science end and the scientific end and the spiritual begin? I think that is like that is essentially the main question of this book, right? Right. Yeah. I would say so. You know, like, and it doesn't really give a satisfying answer. 
but well, it gives you know it's funny because uh, like we had read um, some other stuff before that I was thinking about. Like we we had read uh, Arthur Arthur Machen, right? <coughs> yeah. yeah, we have a, me uh, and Matt have a video on Machen on long our overdue. Yeah, <laughs> which we're going to return to soon, right, Matt? Yes, sir. <laughs> Joking. Did, did you guys name that segment Talk and Machen? <laughs> Shit. No. no. Shit. That's no, good. Fuck. That is good. <laughs> I hate you. Change we it. just stole the we just stole the Murakami more. one. We just called it the Machen Minisodes. Oh my god. <laughs> you gotta change it. But that it's just funny to think like this stuff written what in the like late eighteen hundreds uh is basically tackling the same the same quandaries. <laughs> yeah. And all the co- and and Machen is considered sort of the grandfather of like, uh, you know the the sort of progenitor of Lovecraft and and all cosmic this cosmic horror, cosmic yeah. horror stuff about the like immensity of things outside of the, you know, ability of human reason or comprehension, uh, which is just one hundred percent the territory that this book is also working in, right? Like, right, yeah. In to the very extent of like even in the Great God Pan, which is one of Machen's most famous short stories, like. It is literally about the primordial creative force, which is just what is addressed here as well, mm-hmm. but in like eighteen whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think probably because I was too wrapped up in the movie and thinking of it as a as a piece, because it's very like it's a it's very much like a period piece in a lot of ways, like in the sense of coming at the end of the sort of like hallucinogen kind of discourse and craze and you know whatever you want to call it when all of those things were in their sort of cultural, at the height of their cultural powers and people cared a lot about it. Um, And then obviously the movie and where the movie fits in in terms of some cinematic trends and body horror and all that stuff. So I I didn't really make that connection, Matt, as I was reading it. I think probably because I was caught up in some of that other stuff. But I think you're you're exactly right that he's addressing or preoccupied with a lot of the similar concerns. Well, even the uh, the Cone book we just read, what was that... I forget what it's called. Want know about the cone? Oh, the uh, uh, Bernhard. Yeah, the Bernhard. Yeah, the correction. Yeah. Yeah. Even there's a little bit of that in this book too. But I, I give the I give correction so much credit. For, well, it's not dealing for, with the same ultimate theme. You know, it's like no. There's obsession. I would obsession say. Obsession and sort of a some kind of I don't know if I mean it is. It's a scientific guy who's obsessed with a some sort of sense of truth or perfection. Right. And loves and a you, woman. And and his personal biography uh starts to bleed in more and more right. into your awareness in ways that undermine his credibility, basically. <laughs> you know? Um Well, and Matt also said like there are a lot of just straight up themes from the eighteen hundreds that are just rehashed here. Like I remember like I pulled out a quote specifically. It's towards the end after he has it, after he went through the sort of like traumatic uh, explosion event in the lab <laughs> and he's explain her, he's talking to his wife and he says, I am truth. God is fiction, which is, that's just Nietzsche saying God is dead. Like that's, that's just a different words for saying the same thing. You know, right. it's like, and like, like Gabe, you said this earlier, like this is a very existential novel. Like it is straight up just like, the, the conclusions he draws is like, I, you know, in the moment, life is all that we know, we can know for sure or whatever. And it's like, yes, that's true. And that's like powerful, but it wasn't exactly novel in, in 1980, you know, right. like, 
all the existentialists had essentially been saying that for fucking like 50 years, you know? Yes. Or a hundred years, I guess. Any new ground yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. He just kind of like repackaged it in this weird monkey story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think so. And I mean, I, I, I it's, Chavsky himself talking about the book, I saw a few things where, you know, he was just sort of like, <clears throat> yeah, it's a love story, man. You know, like it's, it's a love story basically. And I mean, it, I think that's where the kind of like what we've all been sort of, you know, suggesting is that like by the end you do get that sense, right. That it, that it's earnest and that it's, uh, he, he was sort of, you know, trying to, tell a story about two people in love. And I think we should probably talk about Emily a bit at this point, because we do get some significant chunks of the book that are from her perspective, right? The whole book, well, it's not from her perspective. It's sort of omniscient narration or whatever, but we see Emily's thought processes a few times throughout the yeah. book. Right. Um, and I just wondered what you all made of, her characterization or her kind of internal life and her role in the book. Because I, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of just like <clears throat> this. I mean, I, someone made this point. It's a small, it's a small point, but it's very like old school in the sense of just like she had a tight ass and a pencil skirt <laughs> and she looked fucking great. Well, I mean, the first thing that jumped out to me was like, he is literally turning into a primate or an ape and she is like studying them. And so it was very much like yeah. the feminine, the feminine studies the thing and the the masculine like is the thing, you know, like there was that sort of separate separation. I yeah, guess. that's a good point. To the degree where she's studying baboon communication and he's being a baboon. Well, and that's, yeah. and that this turns out to close. be, and that turns out to be one of the big breakthroughs where she starts to take what he's doing seriously because she comes back from like a year or two years uh, year out, out of the country that. and she has some baboon vocalizations recorded and at one point when he's in one of his uh trips i guess for lack of a better term he starts hey, let's, make call, let's call them what they are ontogenetic dematuration there you go yeah thanks <laughs> I, <laughs> i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry, sorry. yeah <laughs> yeah so, so in the middle of one of these ontogenetic dematuration processes he <laughs> starts making these like simian oh, yeah. noises and he you know she comes back with his kid and he his his first thought is oh, I want to hear those baboon recordings and they sound very similar to what he's doing in the tank and so that's one of the one of the things that brings her around to kind of starting to take him his research seriously I guess she is woven in like in a way you know where it's like he meets her young uh their their early couple years yeah she's a grad she's a grad student when he meets her. Yes, they're both like yes. in their like early Hashtag 20s. problematic. <laughs> Deep, mm. Very problematic, but also lived experience, very common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, they're, they're of similar age, I think, though, right? Uh, like, I thought she was Yeah, they're not too far apart. She's yeah, like yeah, two yeah. years younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, right, so it, it, it is, the, the book go through, goes through great pains because it's taking place over like almost a decade. Of like that that the the reasoning is is twofold. It's like the 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 development of uh, Jessup's thought, and also the 
account of the sort of ups and downs of the relationship between Jessup and Emily. So, like, the first couple years, like, number of years, like, Jessup's with Emily, and she's like, Jessup, he's a fucking genius. He's... <laughs> There's a there's a spark in his eyes that is that gets me wet and I I come multiple <laughs> times when we fuck and then and but but he's but he's an alien and he's you know he's too he's too obsessed with his you know his his pursuit of the truth and he's just to my face been like look I'll never be there in a real way for you if we that was get one of the most jarring kids. scenes when when she's like confronts him about getting married and and then like on the next like they basically break up for like a second and then on the next page they're like do you still love me i still love you married. and then it jumps ahead like five years like what the fuck just happened it happened so quickly yeah she literally was... travels to fucking india to track him down right. and she's like she like hikes up a fuck like with a sherpa like up a fucking mountain and she's like yeah. and he's like he's just in a cave and he turns around and sees her and she's like almost passed out and then it's like oh yeah now we're married we have kids now (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i think i I think it's supposed to be painted as like a uh admirable quality of emily's it does feel a little like yeah she's uh, like loyal but it does it has like a sort of sexist valence like definitely 100 100 it's just like I literally was like, she's on various occasions, like borderline verbatim, like, damn it, Jessup, why can't I quit you? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, I, just... I, I honestly, like reading it, I was like, this is basically just the ultimate, the, this is like the ultimate quest for a man cave. Like, this guy is literally <laughs> he's like, in a cave. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I, he's like, I want a man cave so badly that I'm going to turn myself into a fucking monkey and, and lives in and go to an isolation cave. tank just so I can get away from my bitch wife. Like, <laughs> right. Like that was like. Sometimes it felt like that. No, definitely, definitely. And she's she's hiking through the hinterlands of India, going like bomb ass dick blow my mind. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just like insane. So like that does feel dated. And but uh, the irony of it is that the more he turns into a monkey, the more often, the more he loves Emily for whatever reason. Right. No, I think that's really interesting. Right. Like there's a. Well, he learns a lesson. Inverse relationship. Yeah. Well, it, it 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 ties to the whole theme that like. You know, he he wants to like get away from the scientific thinking and just be more humanistic, and I think that is the general sense of the the monkey metaphor. Like the more he turns into just being like his natural id self. Can I the read more a, he can another experience love? Can I read another chunk? Go another it, another block quote. Here you go, guys. Quote: I'm a man in search of his true self. How archetypically American can you get? <laughs> Everybody's looking for his true self. We're all trying to fulfill ourselves, understand ourselves, get in touch with ourselves, get a hold of ourselves, face the reality of ourselves, <laughs> explore ourselves, expand ourselves. Ever since we dispensed with God, we've got nothing but ourselves to explain this meaningless horror of a life. We're all weekending at, uh, at I don't know, what uh, there's misspellings in my fucking copy. Or meditating for 40 minutes a day or squatting on floors in a communal ohm or locking arms in quasi-Sufi dances or stripping off the deceptions of civilized life and jumping naked into a swimming pool filled with other naked searchers for self. Well, I think that true self, that original self, that first self is real, mensurate, quantifiable thing, tangible and incarnate, and I'm going to find the fucker. 
<laughs> Isn't that how a chapter ended? That was like yep. the, I think that's the end of a chapter. chapter. Hard oh, yeah. cut. Zapatinos, Mexico. It is a script. It's a movie script. It is. That's when, I, yeah. that's when I checked out completely. I was like, this is the worst book I've ever read in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there, that, that, that line, right? The line about, uh, I forget exactly how it goes, but like, now that God is gone, we only have ourselves to make sense of this horror, like whatever. Like, that's just Sart. Like, that's just straight up Sart, like yeah. right there. Sart yeah. is a fart. Well, what's funny to me is like... <laughs> yes. Do you guys remember the end when they're like, you know, sort of exchanging, uh, they're they're talking to each other at the end, but like she essentially arrives at the exact same conclusion that he did, but he had to go through this insane scientific experiment to get there. And she's just like, yeah, uh, no doubt. I felt duh. that naturally. Yeah. yeah. Like right, she, right. She, came, she arrived at the exact same end point. But, like, he had to almost die and go through this, like, fucking thing to get there. And it's, like, I thought that was, like, such a perfect, like, I don't know, like, display of, like, of these two characters. I think through a very awkward process, you are arriving at Chayefsky's, like, sort of idea that, like, women are more instinctively, you know, somehow better than men, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because he's, like... He's like he fucking devolves to a cellular level and sees like <laughs> yeah. the fucking he has to like, take, like physical a thousand milligrams of fum- <laughs> of some fucking mushroom and then put himself in a fucking sensory deprivation tank and like turn into a primordial energy ball and sees in order fucking... for him to figure out that he loves this woman right exactly and then meanwhile she's just like yeah dude I've loved you the whole time. He's you like, know? I turned into a monkey and fucking saw the instant of, <laughs> and like relived the instant of my birth. And he's like, what I've learned is, um, you know, my family matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, it took you like that to realize yeah, that? Right, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, which is why it, if it were satire, it would it would play, I think, really well. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. Like it would be funny as shit if it were just like really like committing to that as a joke as opposed to like somehow very yeah very real very very early. i know and that's why like i thought for a while it was satire but then it just did like it didn't ever take that turn it it went it doubled down on like the sincerity and i was like i don't know and i just think daniel the way you just put that and like what matt said it's like that would have been so fucking funny like if that was the <laughs> joke right but it just it the the tone is just not there for for it to be like yeah, and like you know, you guys have seen Network, right? Like, I have. Yeah, Paul, have you seen it? Yeah. No, I mean Network is like a brilliant satire of media. Like it's it's like it's satirizing the media and like the corporate media or whatever. And you know, when I when I started reading this, I looked. I didn't know that Chayevsky or whatever his name is was the screenplay writer. Um, or I looked it up and, and found that out before I started reading it. So I was like, okay, and maybe that kind of colored my interpretation. But uh, but yeah, I just kind of like expected it to have a, a sort of satirical element, but it, it just, it wasn't. And I think that it, one of the things that's so interesting is that I, I think that there are elements of what makes something like Network such a good satire. Like there's moments where in Network where it's like very over the top yeah. and very just like, you know, like like any good satire, where it's like a point is just hammered home in a sort of over the top way, mm-hmm. but it's it's the tone is completely different than this book. My question is, um, does it repaint 
your notion that he intended to make network satirical? Or do you think the director <laughs> the director maybe twisted or read his inter- his screenplay in a satirical way and made it satirical, but in reality he might have been more earnest? Well, like I mean, I mean that's a good that's point. actually a really interesting question. Yeah, no, that's that that is a good point, and it's like, I mean, like to me, the brilliance, like what makes a really good sat satire or satirical text, like what makes it is when it's obviously it, it you have there has to be some it has to be somewhat obviously satire, but not too obviously satire. Right. Like it does have to be sort of real still and that's a really hard thing to like that's a really fine line to sort of you know dance on or whatever is like you don't want it to be like if it's too obviously satirical then that's just like that's lowbrow you know but like if it's like cringe yeah i don't know except i like monty python and that's like incredibly obviously satirical too but they're like well the, monty python's like a like a just a straight comedy like it the, well i mean like the holy grail in particular i would say is a satire right you guys have seen that it's it feels different i mean yes you're right it's satirical but it it i guess it's like a different kind of satire like yeah. it, I, I guess i think like monty python is more like the onion you know yeah <laughs> mm, mm. Like I don't think I don't think network is like the onion type satire. I think network is a more pointed satire, but I think Monty Python is, and I I do think the onion is brilliant. Like I I love the onion. Uh, yeah, but I just think that I think there are two different kinds of satire. Maybe I don't know. I'd have to think more about it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I think is interesting, Paul, in in relation to your question about like, is is there is there some way that uh, this re sort of figures or forces you to reanalyze some of the other films that he wrote the screenplays for is his behavior on the set of this one, which was very micromanagey and very like seemingly concerned with like, how is the director going to depict what I've written, which is liking the movie and he hated the movie, which as far as I know is not Mm. how he behaved in relation to any of his other screenplays. And I mean, it was to the point where when Ken Russell came on, he was not allowed to to change a single fucking comma in the script. He wasn't allowed to do really? anything. And so he had to he he had to do all of these like um kind of like backhanded like backdoor strategies where he would tell William Hurt to like m- like purposely like mumble certain lines so they were less audible because he hated the dialogue. Uh, and like all of these, like, you know, little directorial strategies that he had to employ, you know, this, and I think that's really interesting in terms of thinking about like his other films and like, well, did he intend something different with those scripts as well? Well, the thing about like anyone in like, especially screenwriters in Hollywood is that like a director can obviously elevate your material and also editors. Like it makes me think of. George Lucas and the first Star Wars, like that was apparently like heavily edited and um, changed around a lot and it became like, you know, destined for greatness. And I'm kind of getting the sense that same thing happened with Altered altered States of the movie. But I, yeah, I mean, this, this book was hilariously sincere and horrible. (laughs) What's funny is that like, or sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and just like the way he acted on set made me, think that he probably wanted 
the interpretation to be just as like over the top and just like exactly like his book, which would have made the movie terrible, even though I haven't seen it. But you know what I mean? I just like so the other I haven't seen Marty, but like the hospital and, and network, which are like the other two big films that he's known for. The, the most defining feature of both of those films, and you guys can, Gabe and Matt can speak to this maybe, but like they have very famous uh, soliloquies. Like there are yep. very famous moments, scenes in those movies where like it's just a, a fucking brilliant like monologue basically in both Network and The Hospital. And I was kind of waiting for that in this novel. Uh, I can't remember the movie if, if they if they do like a monologue in altered they states. They do the movie. not. They they do away with what I think is what you're talking about at the end of the book. Yeah, and like you know, yeah. that's what that's what I associate with this guy with this guy Patty is like he like the hospital especially like the hospital has some of the best like sentence level dialogue I think in that I've ever seen in like cinema. Like you're, you're talking about the impotence monologue. Yes. Yeah. Dude, it's like it's amazing. Like, and then obviously there's the, the in I'm bad as hell, when, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, that and also well when he when he brings him into that co- uh, conference room and he talks about I how there's, an audio there's clip no of this more on nation the states. Intro. Yeah, there's no more nation states. It's all corporate. Like, there are some just brilliant right. monologues in these movies, and that's what like he's known for. And I like it just didn't. It just it wasn't there in this book, uh, unfortunately. And I think that 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 is actually. And I, I didn't rewatch the whole movie before this, but I did watch a few scenes on YouTube and stuff. But the, the dialogue in Altered States is as bad as it is in the book. Yeah, it's it's not great. Which is so weird because his his sentence level dialogue in the hospital and in Network is amazing. It's but so good. Who knows? Who Wh- which knows I think if that was speaks written or anything, right? Yeah, I don't know. For Network, yeah, I don't know. But for this book, it, he saw to it, or for this movie, he saw to it that it wasn't. But I think that speaks to the like shift in tone, why it's harder to read this satirically yeah. than the others. And he could have just tackled some subject matter that like just beat him, you know, like he just didn't like this wasn't this wasn't a uh, television station or it, right. he was he was tackling like he That's was very point. effective yeah. at the two like these two like um big sort of like you know vertically integrated fucking yeah. like healthcare and the media are easy business. to skewer, right. But like academia, yeah. Academia and like the cultural trends, uh, sort of abutting and butting heads with like the limits of human consciousness is not. uh, (laughs) It's not quite as simple, you know. It's yeah, it's harder to make fun of that than it is like our shitty healthcare system and our shitty media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I guess just it also left me wondering, like, what, what. Uh, Chayefsky's and I, I couldn't find much about this but like what was the impetus for him to get interested in these topics in the first place right like did he have some kind of yeah. life changing or formative experience with hallucinogenics yeah. or like like what what got him interested in this to begin with maybe he just went to a zoo and saw a monkey <laughs> And he was like, that's fucking awesome. I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. It's like, did he just smoke really good weed one time? And was right. like, whoa, dude. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because. I have no idea. Because, yeah, this seems kind of out of left field. Right. Right. All of his other stuff is very, like, 
social sort of systemic oriented and then he comes out with this thing about hallucinogenic drugs and the origins of human consciousness and shit yeah i'm i'm just it, it's one of those things where it's like the idea is so strong to me no it totally is i'm like my man was on to something for sure yes. and he just bungled it he just bungled it but like <laughs> fuck is this a, such a fun idea yes. like I, yeah, I appreciate the attempt. I definitely appreciate the attempt. I, I, I think the execution was, was, was fumbled, like you said. And it's also everything, and that's the yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, execution is everything, dude. It is I everything. I mean, one, one, sort of, one sort of worry, I guess, that I had reading it, or question, so I don't have a ton of experience with, maybe other people can speak to this, uh, with these sorts of drugs or whatever. I did mushrooms for the first time this summer, and it was fucking sick. Um, what did you experience, first of all? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've done mu- I've done mushrooms. I've never done any. I've never done acid, but I've done mushrooms. Okay, yeah. See, I've done acid and not mushrooms. So okay. I've done none of it because I know I'd cut my hands off and like. Put them <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't, dude. Well, no, no, no. Mouth, Paul would turn down. into an amoeba after like a little tiny bit of acid. He would turn into an amoeba. <laughs> and has anyone done like LSD or anything related, like in that family? Well, that's acid. No, that oh, LSD acid. is acid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm see. This, I'm telling you, I don't know anything about this shit. DM, I've never done DMT. I've never done. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, I haven't Salvia. seen the clock. The Clockwork Elves. Or my brother. Whatever. My brother. Shout outs is a big DMT advocate. And hell yeah, dude. Shouts out. Shout out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's um, brother. You have to tell me. Off. I don't. No, I can't say their name. Paul, chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how much of it he's done, but I know he's interested in it. But, um, you know, one of the things, like, I guess I just, I, I, I was curious, one of the things I was thinking about was the, like, faithfulness of, the, of some of this description, which is rich and kind of interesting and, and whatever about some of these trips that he goes on. Like, for example, like, there's the trip where he goes on, it's like the second or third one. Or the I forget what Matt said the ontogenic de-evolutionary experience ontogenetic or whatever dematuration dematuration I'm sorry dematuration um, <laughs> did you even read it the man did his research yeah Where, you're supposed, you're supposed to have a PhD right come on dude yeah. um, where he like uh, the hallucination is he's like an early you know primate ancestor of man and he winds up kind of like both hunting and running as himself. And then he winds up like eating himself basically. And this is, this is sort of like the first big break where the hallucinations start to make their way into material reality because he shows back up in the tank with a bunch of blood all over his face and stuff. And at first they're like, Oh, he bit his tongue or he had a seizure or whatever, but they can't find any evidence of that. And he's like, no dude, it's the blood from myself that I was eating or whatever. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm, I was just sort of wondering about like how faithful some of these descriptions are to what other people experience on these sorts of drugs. And like one of the things no, that one of the things that struck me, I guess I'll, I'll end here. Okay. But like one of the things that struck me is that like when I hear people talk about these drugs, because I know people who are deep into all of these hallucinogen, hallucinogenic drugs, is this concept of like ego death, right? Mm-hmm. Where you sort of start to feel like your individuality is kind of bleeding into the rest of reality and it becomes less kind of significant. 
he doesn't learn any of those lessons over the course of this book at all. Like he's, he's still, he comes out of these theoretically like hyper extreme hallucinogenic experiences and just like, yeah, let's just jot down some scientific notes about this. And it, it, it just felt not particularly faithful to what the experience seemingly would actually be like. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go, Dan? You can go first. No, I, you know, I haven't gone deep, you know, I, like, so I, I can't speak to the real psychonauts out there, but, uh, like, yeah, no, like manifesting blood, obviously that's, uh, that's fake. That's not something that happens. Uh, yeah. and the ego death thing. Yeah, I know it's what, what's funny to, uh, about reading this book in this time is in the 21st century is like, it's almost now become a little bit cringe uh, the whole like yes. yeah. hallucinogens sure. culture, like, and you know, obviously Paul's got a. No one can see this, but Paul's got Joe Rogan with Jimi Hendrix <laughs> put up in the background. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's Presley. And Elvis Presley. Right? And I think that I think that's perfect. It's like Joe Rogan is part of this process where it's just like every fucking dimwit, fucking loser, foe, like profound yeah. person is like, uh, yo, microdose and and like whatever and it's like you know for whatever therapeutic effects it may have on like people with PTSD and this or that like I, I don't know it, it's just funny to like discuss it in the era where it's well you can it's even see it in lame. like um, it's not it's countercultural in the least right dude no you're exactly right it's totally commodified now like I mean now they have like sensory deprivation like float tanks or whatever like you can go pay 40 bucks and float in a tank for an hour like it's like a massage it's commodified retro yeah. nostalgia have any of you guys done the float float tank thing no i no, would when i was I in minneapolis there was a bunch there but they were like 120 dollars for like a half hour yeah but it's like i want to do suicide suspensions that's what i want to do <laughs> i don't even know what that is <laughs> what is that is that when you like hang by your nipples is that that's like piercings? No, you're close. Shit? Yeah, but it's piercings in your back and they suspend yeah. you. No. Uh, body mod, Hellra- dude. Good. Body modification. Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Hellraiser the cell, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the it's like, a fucking great movie. I yeah, love it. That's a good, a good movie. movie. But that but it's awesome. also like uh all of that stuff, like you were saying, it's 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 not only been commodified, but and and I think this is probably a legacy of some of the benefits that were discovered, like you said, Matt, for people with PTSD and other sorts of um, other types of mental illnesses, which as far as I can tell are probably real and that's probably like legit. And I'm all for going down that road for those people, but all of this other shit, you know, micro dosing and these like, you know, you can go and pay and go in a fucking tank or whatever. It's all wrapped up in this kind of like self care bullshit. Yes. You know, Where you, it's like a complete betrayal of the initial intention of a lot of these things, which is to sort of challenge your limits and push you to like see the world in a new way. And now it's just like, you know, a warm blanket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like stick it it to the patriarchy by paying $80 an hour to float in this tank for self-care or whatever. And it's like, what, what? Yeah, they and shouldn't like, call microdose. They should call microdosing sissy dosing. Soy dosing. Micropenis dosing. I mean, I mean, there, there, there's also like, uh, there's also the notion that it's just uh, uh, the process of kind of like 
alienating yourself from your own perspective, and therefore it's just like you feel like you're getting these ideas beamed from God, con- con- confirming your thoughts. But it's like just the fact that you are alienated from your own, you know, thoughts. And therefore, it sounds like someone else confirming everything you already knew or something right. like that. You know what I mean? To be so honest, though, I'm actually like for someone who hasn't done LSD or mushrooms because I'm terrified. I would actually try like I've, I've thought about trying to microdose. Just I just want a little bit. You know, it sounds like a good idea. No, you should do yeah. it. But it's just because it's fun. Dude. Right. It, it's not going to I really. Yeah. Like the, the whole like spiritual uh, angle on this stuff. It's like maybe you can sort of like kickstart a a perceptual change that'll help but like the idea that it's um necessary or whatever it it always just seemed like stupid yeah and i mean i'll I'll, i can just talk a little bit about because someone asked me what happened when i did the mushrooms me um because i was kind of in paul's camp before before it was it was a mix it was like a this is kind of cringe and like my background is is in philosophy and i was always of the sort of like had this lingering like oh if you need fucking mushrooms to like think deeply and have important experiences then you're just like weak-minded or some shit or i don't know you know i'm i can't articulate the exact thought but 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 it was that and also the fear that like i'm gonna fucking try to hug a fucking Mack truck that's coming at me or something, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I can confirm for you at least Paul, that it's not that at all. Uh, like granted, I didn't have like some heroic level dose or anything. And I, I wasn't fucking like, you know, like going yeah. nuts, but it, it's a thing. And yeah, I, I, it, but it is not that. I, I don't think I experienced ego death in the way that like is i don't know conventionally defined but i will say that um when i last took mushrooms i took enough to the point where i forgot who i was except for like that's the best way i can describe it is i forgot who i was except for like one thing about me and that was that like when i the last time i took it i was in school still so the the only thing that i remembered about myself was that i was in i was a student and like that was like there was that was like the one anchor that I had. Nice. Like I couldn't remember who I was in right. any like meaningful sense, except for the fact that I was a student. And that was like what I kept telling myself. I was like, I'm a student. I'm a student. And like, so I don't know if that's ego death, but like that. So that sounds was like you were right like, on the edge, maybe. Yeah, for yeah. like a good like 20, 15, 20 minutes, I was like, I don't know who I am. Like I don't know anything about who I am. Like that, yeah. I you know. But and then you grew hairs on your arms. Yeah. Then I turned into a four foot fucking <laughs> simian primate. No. So um, so all all that shit is real. There's also just like synesthesia, like sort of cross wiring mm-hmm. that happens. Oh, dude, and stuff. that's that's oh, definitely yeah, real. Colors and touch were definitely becoming deeply associated when I was doing yeah. it. And that's just fun. Like that, you know, it, it's fun to uh, kind of create a. a uh, an alien experience like that for yourself, you know, even if it's just yeah, and like you can, you know, you and you can like sort of like interpret it spiritually if you want, but that's not like necessary, you know. Like right. you could also interpret it through a different lens. Uh, it probably and just if you need to do like, drugs constantly to maintain the fervor of your spirituality, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably not that spiritual if you need to do that, you know. 
And I yeah, think that, I, was, I don't know. I'm kind of like on the fence with that still, though, too. How so? I don't know. Just thinking about like, there's a lot of things that we ingrained in our lives that is just like a part of society now. Like people drinking coffee, that's a drug. And it's like everyone does it. Paul's Mormon. Paul's Mormon now. Mormon or, dr- <laughs> I don't know. or, or drugs are all legal. What is your, What is it? I think drugs should be all, all be legal. All legal. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure, dude. I don't no, know. No, but I, I get, your, I I get your point, really, Paul. I don't really have a, an issue with someone indoctrinating any substance into their lives if they have, like, a benefit from it, really. Well, and I, and I think it so gets... So people are going to microdose. I'm like, fucking do it. And it also gets back yeah. to a little bit of something that for Matt sure. said earlier, and that's in the book, which is that, you know, there's this, like... And I think this is an interesting thing the book addresses a little bit, which is that, right, like there's there's this kind of hard distinction between like religion and science that the book is trying to like break down or explore a little bit. Right. But, you know, the, the, the mechanism that it uses to explore that question is something that's already been in most human religions forever, which is like substance use. And the all of the sort of theories about early Christianity and where there are like substances involved and, and all of that stuff. So I think it's, it's trying to break down some of those historical mythologies a little bit as well. Um, and, and, and the fact that it does so, so explicitly in terms of the main character having had religious visions as a child, maybe yeah. is a little heavy handed, but I, I do think it's an important question. It's definitely more filmic. His, the, the rapidity with which he sort of states his religious priors and then gets to the sciencey part and then to back to the religious priors like uh yeah it's very heavy-handed yeah but i would also say it's very filmic you're right but it does seem like he wrote it with one of those giant pencils that you saw in like fifth grade <laughs> with that heavy-handed <laughs> yeah dude dude those giant pencils were so tight dude. yeah those they were, were fucking sweet i want one now i want one now too you guys um, should put them I- in your virtual classrooms i have uh, i'd like to introduce a potentially very depressing thought that occurred to me while i was reading okay so i was trying to think of like so this was obviously sort of dated it was you know late 70s uh when it was written right um and i was trying to think of like who are the who would be these type of people today who are doing this kind of thing and i could only think of like elon musk and jeff bezos who are trying to like (laughs) They're trying to set up like uh, labs that research immortality or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like they're trying to live forever. Sine- human senescence. Yeah, and and like that's yes. that's like the contemporary counterpart that I came up with today. Do you do you guys think that that's an accurate counterpart? Do you think that it's the same thing? Like, what do you think about that? Am I am I crazy or? I think what? there's a formalization of the avant-garde kind of groundbreaking scientist archetype within Silicon Valley in particular. Like, yeah. I think, uh, like there's, it, I mean, it's a meme now, the whole like DMT fucking startup person, right? Like yeah. throw, throwing up after an ayahuasca trip and reinventing slavery via the internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like, so, so I think you're right in a way it's like, but now it's like this again, modern, nostalgic almost reification of people like Lily and Leary. Uh, and it's like, 
now now you're formalizing it and they're an archetype or they're they're a memory and it's like th- i'm trying to be this person the fucking disruptor you know like the, the, you know disruption blah 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 and it's it's just like now it's just another played out kind of um concept enfolded into what is ultimately yeah, just and it's boring, like, boring capitalism <laughs> and like it, you know if i were to give this book like a generous gloss it would be like oh these these researchers are actually trying to like do this research for like the public good or whatever you know like that would be like the most generous interpretation but like the the bezos's and the elon musks of today they're not i don't really trust that they're trying to do it for public good they're just doing it for their own they're doing it out of their own desire to live forever, like an individual yeah. sort of like impulse, you know? Which is which is why the ego death thing is funny when it comes to hallucinogens, because it's like Jessup's ego is only expanding as he's, yes, as exactly. he's moving forward. That's what this. I was trying to get at earlier. And in fact, taking primacy in the fact that he's ma- literally manifesting his own consciousness. Well, and throughout the whole thing, yeah. he's he remains obsessed with like, this research is going to win me a Nobel Prize, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He calls himself like he says like I'm the like sort of like the the like he's he's like the next Einstein or the next Newton or whatever like that's what right. he kept, he kept, he keeps conceptualizing himself as that yeah and so it, it it kind of like runs counter to the characterization of like oh he's just obsessed with this like abstract scientific world it's like no he's not he has a lot of like material real world interests he's just a dick to his wife yeah you know like, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he is more like you know Jeff Bezos than yeah yeah. I mean, may, he is he is kind of just like a Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk type, I guess. Well, yeah. and I think to that point, like, and I don't know what you think about this, Paul, or if you have anything to say about this topic. But you know, we just last week we read Don DeLillo's Cosmopolis, and one of the kind of overriding uh, thematic interests of that book is the sort of like singularity and like the self kind of like dissolving into data and these kind of like electronic, you know, uh, points, you know, uh, in this like worldwide system or whatever. And it's almost, it is almost religious in that way that the, the main character of that book talks about it. And I think that that kind of is a bridge between this book and what you're talking about, Daniel, the sort of like new era kind of like, ego death in quotes where your individuality is dissolved into like some data system of ones and zeros or whatever but you only really want to do it because you don't want to die well also just like i'm (laughs) trying to think of like the people who are doing the most experimental crazy research today and it's like you know it's not timothy leary types anymore it's not like people at harvard it's fucking silicon valley it's fucking elon musk and Bezos, they're going to Mars, they're doing the, like, immortality stuff, like, those are, that's where all the craziest, most experimental research is being done. Did you guys watch, uh, you know, the show Devs? No, no you keep talking about it. It's, it's, I, it's just sure, about, it's just exactly about this topic. Yeah. I don't, I won't, I won't do spoilers, but it's a, it's exactly about this issue. But it's I just become, hate, yeah. I just fucking hate Silicon Valley, and I hate, I hate it, yeah. too. Honestly, I hate people. it so much that I don't even I can't even follow up on what's current within the world of it because I hate it so much. <laughs> I just I can't I can't even like I just don't even think about it. It's like it oh, seems like yeah, it's so... like a different country to me. It's like a people yeah. that I'm just like I don't even 
know who like I have nothing in common with you, you know? Yeah, like there were well, some people don't. I went to school with in ba- in Baltimore that ended up like working for Facebook, like right mm. out of school. Yeah. And in school when I knew them, I was they were already like kind of going towards that Silicon Valley mindset but that was kind of still like in the Facebook beginning years, you know? Yeah. Do you know um, what they ended up doing? And I hated them. Working at Facebook doing something. You don't I'm not remember. sure exactly what. Like, no. Do you don't remember what they would like sort of idly talk about in college? Not really. I just remember like being in the next room and they just had this group of just horrible design people that were just talking about how Helvetica is going to change the world. You know, those types <laughs> of people. They love that documentary, Helvetica. Oh, oh yeah, shit, that, was, dude. that was big. That was their shit right there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I just, I can't really, I, I just check out when it, when it comes to that, those types of people. <laughs> I just check out completely. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's thick Mark. Thick, kabo- thick Kabuki Mark. Yeah. Is his, his face completely his covered fucking, with... His butt. Is, yeah, what is it? Yeah. It's sunscreen. Yeah, I know he's not. He's not human, human dude. He is. He's no. definitely a fucking robot. Lizard robot. It's yeah, definitely it's the worst part about our our world right now. What's funny? What's funny to me is our that American like world. You know, I know DMT and all this shit. I was just saying is like at this point now, like so counter counter cultural that it's like boring and not interesting. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I, what we have now. Uh, and the and the just sort of like bottoming out of like the psychonaut kind of plumbing the depths of consciousness experiments, regardless of how much they were utilized for private interests or military interests or whatever you want to say. Uh, there is now even a nostalgia, like I was saying before, for that kind of thing, because now it's just sort of like, can I please be a robot that lives forever and just launch myself into space? And, like, those are the innovations. And then it's just, like, otherwise it's, like, supply chains or uh, self-driving cars or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a complete, like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think there are people who think there's some sort of uh, connection or whatever. But it feels like a betrayal of kind of the original ideology of that whole kind of movement. Yeah, not that I, I, you know, maybe not. Maybe there was always. Well, that. it's you know, it's like uh, it's like Daddy Daddy Marx famously said, you know, history repeats itself. Uh, first is tragedy, then is farce. You know. Yeah. And that process uh, has just sped up. So like now, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I don't think I would say. I guess the the initial wave of interest in like psychedelics or whatever was tragic, but I do think that the 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 second time around now is kind of farcical. Yeah, for sure. And that like, if, if we're saying like Joe Rogan is like the avatar of the modern day, like psych psychonaut culture or whatever, it's like, yeah, that's goofy. (laughs) Like this guy, this guy with a fucking hundred million dollar contract for his podcast, you know? Well, what's funny is like, even in the book, right? Like, we're talking about the hangover period of this whole thing. That's true, but even, yeah. But even Patty Chayefsky in 1978 was like, this is cringe. Like, he yeah. even said mm-hmm. it. Like, the book itself is like, no one gives a fuck about 
uh, John C. Lilly style isolation tanks anymore. Right, it's, right. It's lame. It's played out. No yeah, one wants. No true, scientist yeah. is actually interested in this any longer. So like, it's funny that there was still like while in the midst of writing even this book, he was. Um, it was already like there's already a nostalgia and kind of a, 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 a dated quality to the subject matter he was writing about. That's true. Yeah. Like he is. Yeah, you're right. He's very self-conscious about like saying like this is dated, you know. Hmm. So which, yeah, it just it, it feels like this book is maybe historically important in that it is the. <laughs> You know, maybe it's the, the the final gravestone of that era, right? Like the, the 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 it was already dated, sort of scientifically or academically, because for a while, uh, uh, isolation chambers and all that shit was an academically viable line of research. It was something that people thought was interesting and worth pursuing. But yeah, it's it's that's an important point, Matt. That even well, what's in it, the writing, I, it was. Past I looked its into time. it. I looked into it, and like deprivation, sensory deprivation apparently in a lot of the academic research has a huge effect on like treating various, like we've talked about this, but like PS PTSD and like anxiety and shit. Like it actually is, it, it's been shown empirically to have like a huge effect on like treating that stuff. Um, but like, yeah, using it as this sort of mechanism for, you know, accessing, you know, spiritual truth. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know about that, you know, or workshopping an app. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 like one of those things that you could see a company like Google or whatever installing like the same way they have like beanbag fucking chairs and shit. It's like, oh, oh go yeah. to the sempre- sensory yeah. deprivation room for twenty minutes and figure out <laughs> how you're gonna fucking code uh, this app that helps people find their uh, next favorite necklace or whatever. Well, it's also cool because like it's it's funny as like a symbol too because like you know we talked about like academic research methods being sort of a a big theme of this book and like the whole game of academic research is like isolating variables you know like being able to control for confounding variables so you can study the one variable in question and like the whole idea of an isolation chamber or a sensory deprivation chamber is like you are literally controlling for all possible sensory variables like you're eliminating all of your sensory inputs so that you are totally just controlled for like one specific thing you know and so like in that sense it is like the ultimate like you know control like variable control mechanism because you've eliminated all of your senses uh well in the book like the you know the drug is the basis of all the two-year scientific research that Chayefsky did by basically being able to utilize scientific terminology with some level of confidence in order to, like, Michael Crichton sort of level describe, (laughs) (laughs) like, what's going on physiologically so that eventually the scientists could be like, okay, we've described all that to the best of our ability, and therefore, like, we've eliminated everything that isn't or that is the drug, and now we can sort of pinpoint right, exactly. itself. Like, it's just, like, the only thing left is just the drug. Like, I can't see anything, I can't hear anything, I can't feel anything, like, I'm yeah. weightless. Like, I don't know, Have you? has anyone ever been, I, I think I asked this already, has anyone ever been in one of these 
like no. floating no, things. No, my friend, my friend has though, and said he really likes it. So they put like I, I read I about it. it. I've never Sounds been relaxing. in it, but it's like they put enough salt in it to where it's like ten inches of water, which doesn't mm. sound like a lot, but there's enough salt that you're just completely floating, and they like dial in the temperature to where it's like the exact same temperature as your skin. Right. And so like, yeah, essentially you just feel you're supposed to just feel nothing. And like it really fucks with your perception of time, apparently. And like you spend which an he hour mentions in, in the there. book. Yeah. You spend an hour in there, but it feels like five fucking hours or some right. shit. Apparently, like if, if the you, you can either do like 30 minutes or an hour when you go to a place that's like in a city or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you do it for like 30 minutes, apparently you don't get that much of an effect at all. OK. Um I've been going to the gym recently on campus. Go off, a, go off. Af- afterwards, I've been sitting in the sauna for like 10 minutes, dude. Uh, sitting in a nice. sauna, a 170-degree sauna for 10 minutes feels like fucking an hour, dude. Like I'm like dying <laughs> in there, dude. I'm like sweating. I'm like, fuck, has it been 10 minutes yet? <laughs> I I actually, I cannot go into but saunas. It feels Just turning into a monkey. Afterwards. No, yeah, dude, yeah. saunas are like one of my biggest phobias. I'm, I'm, I've seen a few horror movies where someone just gets locked in a sauna and I'm just always <laughs> petrified yeah. of the that door like locking. A, they just turn up the temperature. It scares the shit out of me. I yeah, can't. I can't. Like I can't use. I can't use saunas. Dude, I I'm There's all no about it. Uh, I started using it over the summer when there was no students here and it was tight because I was just there in there alone. But now. Now there's like students in there all the time, and I have to like they all try to make small talk, you know, and so I'm just like in people there. making small talk in the in a freaking sauna is the worst. Cringe. I know because I'm sweating my fucking ass off, and they're like they're like, so what's up, man? And I'm like, how are your balls? Dude, I don't know, dude. I remember <laughs> when I, I used to go Hot to the gym in Minneapolis, <laughs> and there was like a there was like a big sauna there in like this LA Fitness, and if you get, went in there, like one time I went in there, and there was like so many people in there and there was one fucking Gen Z here wearing like shoes still just watching <laughs> TikTok videos and everyone in there is just like not a Gen Z here and this one guy was just like what are you what are you doing why why are you watching that and the kid just like ignored him I was like I hate this generation take your fucking yeah. shoes off you stupid punk I, I, I did want to just touch briefly on um, Matt's point about Michael Crichton, which I think is an interesting comparison because one of the things Crichton is like most well known for is riding that line between like science fiction and like legitimate scientific plausibility. Yeah. Right. Like all of the science that went into Jurassic Park, which he obviously spins into something like, you know, Harvard MD, dude. Yeah, exactly. Which he obviously spins into something that's grander than what we have access to it's now. It's like actually or, plausible. Exactly. Yeah. And and I feel like, or even some of his other books, like Congo, or uh, I forget the title of the one that's about um, like nanotech. Prey, I think it's called. Prey, dude. Great also, uh, Timeline. Yes, Timeline. About or, quantum, or, me- quantum mechanics. You're, or even you're just a big, cri- you're, you're a Crichton head, dude. dude I'm, I, read, I am I, kind I, of a Crichton head, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Crichton Gabe, is tight, yeah. I'm with you, bro. Stephen King and Crichton were kind of my shit for a while. Yeah, or even the Andromeda Strain, for right? Yes, like, sir. And, and I feel like this book, for all the research that went into it and all the t- terminology that Chayefsky uses, like, f- 
airs it falls on the wrong side of that line that Crichton so often winds up on the right side of. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, because, it, it tries to do the Crichton thing, but it, it goes on, it fails. No, know? because it doesn't try and do the Crichton thing. It try, Chayefsky wants to be better than that. And to do oh. some big spiritual philosophical point. And of course, Crichton makes philosophical points, but it's... Hmm. I mean, I remember reading Jurassic Park and being, as a kid, and being like, the fuck are my, where are my dinosaurs? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's like how effective it was. I was like, get the frog and the and the amber shit and like mm-hmm. make me a stegosaurus, please. <laughs> right. This was like, a, I read I read Andy Weir, The Martian or whatever. Yeah. You know? And like, that was the big thing about Andy Weir was like, oh, this is like very scientifically like accurate. Like, this is actually what would happen if someone was stranded on Mars or whatever. And I admit it was extremely compelling because of that. Like the scientific detail was like probably the star of that book. Hard sci-fi. And that's the, and that's the issue is that in this book, the scientific detail, which there is a fuck ton of no question too much, too too much. much. It, 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 it becomes a distraction rather than a motivating force. Does anyone have like a great qual- a, a great example of some sort of uh, passage where they are throwing way too much, you know, Or did there, anyone underline that like 25-letter scientific word that started with a P? Remember that? No. That what? was insane. There's a huge word in there. There are just, there are multiple points where it's like. Yeah, I think I remember an that. Absolute, an absolute, like, I research so much and I can't let this go to waste. Let me yes. vomit this at you, kind of data dump of yeah, terminology. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He should have researched exclamation points and when to use them and when not to. Because <laughs> there was like 5,000 in his book. This is the classic. <laughs> this is the classic Paul perspective that I love about yeah. the Spinecracker pod, dude. <laughs> I well, just, I have a tough time getting over bad writing. They're or writing. I mean, this is legitimate horrible bad writing, in my opinion. I think you're yes. I, I, no, I you're would right. Agree. You're right. You're right about that. Totally. It, to me, it was like someone trying to to write like Mozart, like a Mozart symphony with an out of tune violin and piano. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a nine year old who's wearing his dad's suit. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it doesn't fit right. You know. <laughs> yeah. He's like the the lack of confidence is palpable in the amount of scientific jargon, yeah. And then and then like, at the same you know because it's like you, you use only as much as you need, which is I think what Crichton does very fucking well. Yes, uh, and understands yeah. that like the concept is what's at stake here, <coughs> you know. Uh, but even with the cosmic horror stuff, he like Chayefsky bungles because like. One of the critiques of the old cosmic horror stuff, the Mockins and the Lovecrafts and whatever, uh, is uh, one of the critiques that ended up being a strength was like they're describing something that isn't there, or like they're, 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 there's an almost a negative quality to the descriptions. It's always like what this is not like, or whatever. Yes, yes. But then when you get to the parts that should be scary, right? Like where uh, where we have the ontogenetic <laughs> dematuration. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where he's sort of like his skin's bubbling and he's like turning it. He's he's flicking in and out of being like different. Like he's becoming monk. He's becoming monk and even something before monk. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of supposed to be gross. And uh, the Ken Russell, d- you know, sort of take on it is way better. It it ends up being dry and like disappointing. It's like 
Yeah. One you of know, the biggest. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. The set piece. The set piece is where he's like morphing, and it's all like scary, and like there's finally this crisis with his physical body. It's like the they're they're probably the most boring portions of the book even more boring than the scientific jargon stuff yeah he tries to make that the climax and it's like it's like i I don't i'm not invested in this you know yeah it it happens like abruptly like the transformation scene when he finally becomes a monkey it happens quick i remember i remember being like put off by how quick a turn it was and then it goes right into like the chase scene Right. Of him being a monkey and running out of the hospital <laughs> or whatever, and then going yeah. to the zoo, yeah, eating and the dogs or whatever, yeah, 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 it yeah. Just fighting like, the gang of dogs. <laughs> yeah. That's what, not what you should have focused on, like him running around being a monkey. I mean, you needed to focus on the experience he was having and being inside that body. Mm-hmm. And I think his mind was just focused on how it would be in a film, and it would have been. More, more interesting to see, you know, because if you're in that mindset, right. you just that's all you are thinking about is that's a filmmaker's responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just not the correct medium. Yeah, exterior <laughs> night monkey, and then you're done. <laughs> but instead, <laughs> right. you have to write about it, and you're like, "Fuck, dude!" Uh, he so runs around. Of, what do you think that quality is in Crichton? Is it like is it like wisdom that he has, or is it like what kind of virtue is that where he's able to? execute well this this thing that Chayefsky just failed to do. do I, I, I think it's what Matt said earlier. I think, you know, like idea wise, I think this book is like on the level, right? Like this could mm-hmm. be a great science yeah. fiction novel. Love it's, the it's attempt. It's got the ideas. It. It's got yeah. the concepts. But I think, you know, like Matt said earlier, it's like, only use as much as you need to use of that science to create the yeah. plausibility, to create the the sort of interest, and and then just write a fucking good story. And yeah. Chayevsky did yeah. the opposite of that. <laughs> I gotta click one more button. Now we're back. <laughs> That's my classic move. Is like I think we're recording and we're not. Anyway, we're back. We had some technical difficulties. Yes. So we might not be able to do a perfectly seamless continuation of what we were talking about before. (laughs) Right. But I I, I think it was just something about the difference between Crichton, as Paul said, being a novelist and uh, Chayefsky being uh, just not one. A screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing knowing the game a little bit better, knowing knowing the craft and... uh, knowing exactly the right proportion of semi-plausible sciencey sounding science to uh, pepper into a, yeah. a strong concept. Uh, yeah, I mean Crichton, Crichton is a genius storyteller. I think that's what I think that's what Matt said Matt said earlier like I think what di- differentiates maybe is like yeah, he's just like a really talented storyteller, you know. Yeah, and I don't think like you can be really talented in one avenue and it doesn't often translate to another, I would say. Like, it can. Some people are multifaceted, but... Yeah, for even, sure, yeah. Even branching from what seems to be, like, it should be an easy or more relatable transition from screenwriting to a novel, it's still such a vastly different yes. medium that you can totally just fall flat on your dick. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah yeah exactly right oh that that reminds me of one of my favorite weird sexual scenes emily comes back from africa and she's there <laughs> with the kids and he's like so happy and he's like smiling he's like i love you and then he just like writes it in there that he has a giant erection <laughs> Yes, you guys remember that? I was like, yeah. What the fuck? yeah, they literally say he has an erection the size of a house. I remember that exact yeah. line. It's like he's he compares it to a family. house. Yeah, what and the it's, hell? It's, it's just like it's so awkward. That isn't. It's a comment example. on domesticity. But yeah. that, yes, but that is the that is a perfect example of like the awkwardness of write like story writing versus uh, uh, screenwriting because he's like as big as a house, and he's so he's. He's fully torqued. He's so hard. <laughs> so so torqued, hard. Dude. And then in, in, in literally the next sentence, he's like putting his daughter on his lap. Yeah. And yeah, I was just yeah. like, bruh, yeah. you need to think about this. Okay. Yeah, you might want to yeah. just like go take a lap real quick before you, <laughs> yeah. you put your daughter on your lap. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> if he was that horny too, like he's just walking around the airport with a giant house penis. <laughs> like what Matt like you're uh it was ridiculous. Yeah, he's in sweatpants, it's so visible. That's gnarly. <laughs> Do you think you can get hard inside of a sensory deprivation tank? <laughs> or is it he like said people so are coming? Fluid. No, didn't, so, didn't no, doesn't doesn't he have an orgasm the first time he's in one at the very uh, beginning? Yeah, you're right, he does. People I just are think busting, I was just thinking constantly. it's so um the whole point of it is to be so frictionless that it would I feel like it would make it hard to get hard, you know? Like yeah. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing to like, you know, the rub men, against. Dude, men, counterintuitively, mental. the best nut is the frictionless nut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. You didn't know this? <laughs> no, I'm, dude, I'm a virgin, which uh, <laughs> I read, I saw a New York Post tweet today where it was talking about some writer who's, who wants to cha uh, change people or, it claiming that people should no longer say virginity and should ins instead say uh, sexual debut uh, is should be the new term for uh, losing your virginity. So I'm going to start saying that from now on. You know, yeah. that's, that's a, even more charged. Debut. Yeah, I feel like that debut. adds. I feel like that adds like more pressure to it. I yeah. know. Right? It's stupid. It's totally stupid. Hey, I'd like, I can't wait for you to help me lose, my, uh, allow me to uh, premiere my sexual uh, sort of nature. Yeah, please lay out the red carpet for my penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, invite my penis to the Met Gala. Uh, yeah. Hey, well, listen. Which is uh, your regime. Yes. Let's take a little uh, cue from the end of this book. Uh, listen, the pain cannot be described. I was in it, Emily. I was in that ultimate moment of terror that is the beginning of life. I can tell you what it is. It is nothing. It Simple, is nothing. hideous nothing. The final truth of all things is that there is no final truth. Truth Damn. is what's transitory. Damn. So I hope that's a lot of for you to chew on, audience. If you can think about that. Derrida. Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> in other words, uh, the truth of the matter is, is there truth and does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well put. Thanks. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. You know, Oper Operation Ivy once said, uh, "All I know is that I don't know." Damn. Whoa, all I know is that I don't yeah. know nothing. Yeah. No one has ever said that before. I don't think. Yeah, I know, right? 
yes definitely no. not what i was about to say <laughs> um all right well should we we'll transition maybe into the end of show segments yes we have a, a new one dan this is unfair to spring on you but we'll give you time um this is a new segment that paul premiered a couple episodes ago which is uh what was the best and this is an interesting book for this but what is the best scrabble word from this book that you found this can be a book uh you know it doesn't have to be particularly good for scrabble a word you didn't know a word that you thought was funny or interesting etc etc but uh that's what we're calling it so i'll go first on that. okay i just picked my words just now because i forgot yeah. to do it i wrote one down so i, got, I do have one my word is ski because it has a lot of uh, good letters. But in my second choice was bitch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. Okay. Actually, to be fair, bitch is a decent Scrabble word. It's pretty good. B, B, is, yeah. B is three points. I is one. T is one. But H is four. Yeah. Wait. So what I'm, was the, what was the other one? Bitch. Ski? Ski. It's pretty good, like right? S-K-I? No, that's not, I thought I had more points. It no, doesn't. I is I'm going to go with bitch. I is a bad Scrabble word. Ski okay. is a, yeah. not a good Scrabble word. Okay. Bitch. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Matt, did you have one? Okay. So mine is um I forget where this is in the book. I could I could just search it right now. But they're talking about um uh like I, I forget the exact context, but it's I think it's when he's in one of his hallucinations and he's talking about kind of these shapes he's seeing, and the word is cromlech. C-R-O-M-L-E-C-H, which mm. apparently means a megalithic, apparently it's Welsh in origin, and it's a megalithic tomb consisting of a large flat stone laid on upright ones. Oh, nice. So that's uh, a good that's a good one. Yeah. That's the that's the um you know stonehenge kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like a it's yeah, it's kind of like a stonehenge type uh what was it again? Type thing. Cromlech, C-R-O-M-L-E-C-H. Men here is good too. Yeah, it's in the same passage, exactly. Yeah. So that's there's a bunch of points in that one. Three, 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 four. Yeah, that is a great Scrabble word. Yeah, Damn. that is good. Thank you. Thank you. I got um uh Aliquot. Ooh. Which is A L I Q U O T. Nice. Anything with a Q, that's that's money. Yeah. I saw the Q there and I was like, this has to be worth. And what does that one oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it means a portion of a larger whole, especially a sample taken for chemical analysis or other treatment. Fuck yeah. Man. Portion of a larger whole. Mm-hmm. What a weird area that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, abstract. I don't know. Like, it's where, used where, like three <laughs> times. <laughs> Where's a portion of a whole? It's, it's just like funny. A-W-H-O-L-E. Not like, oh okay, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a physical yeah. hole. <laughs> yeah, a part of a void. Yeah, yes. no, it's not that. That it's, that that would be plausible for this book, though. A hundred percent, something he learned. I guarantee you, because it's all part of that like portion where he's like, they're like giving the injecting the drug into rats and like fucking chopping the rats up into a goo yeah. and like running yes. that through a force field and yes. stuff, and he keeps calling it an aliquot. What he has of the rats. And I was like, what the hell? He uses it like three times. So that's a David Good Foster word. Wallace word. Yeah, fucking. 
I mean, there were moments. There were moments of this that felt like David Foster Wallace. When it, it, you know, it's kind of true. I'm actually reading yeah. Infinite Jest right now. And a little bit of that. Are you reading the uh, the endnotes? Yeah, I'm an academic, yeah. dude. I read endnotes as I go. Yeah, I mean, I so I've read it. I've read it, and it's yeah. I mean, the endnotes are where he does all the fucking like scientific, you know, math yes. jargon shit. Yeah, some of it is. Some of them are funny, and then I'm just like, I I don't know. Is it? I do get why people get pissed off at it. It's mm-hmm. like I know what these drugs are, man. <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need an endnote to tell me that Pfizer made it. Really, you know. You know what I was also thinking of, just real quick, is that this was like the reverse sort of uh, concept of Naked Lunch, where ooh, Naked Lunch is like all him just being like, I was fucking tripping and. I was in the interzone and there was a there was a fucking lithe boy made and he come he came quicksilver that turned into eyeballs that floated into a you know and he had flippers that were kind of you know just like just some insane shit and then at the very end it's like dry scientific analysis of drug addiction. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dan, did we give you enough time to find a word? Yeah, I um I only I'm only picking this because I didn't know what it meant. I you know I don't know if it's actually a good Scrabble word, but uh, it's when he's in the uh, he's in the tank or whatever, turning into a monkey, and uh, it said it describes his face as prognathic. Prognathic is the word. It says, but but interestingly enough, because I looked this that up, that is a good one. Prognathic chinless jaw. Makes so, no sense. I know. I looked it up, and prognathic means that it's like protruding. Yes. And chinless is obviously not. So it's like I, that doesn't make any sense. Those he are opposites. It wrong. Dude, I'm so that glad you brought weird. this up. I would have fucking forgot, but I was like, yeah. and you know, and you know where I heard the word prognathic first? Where? Infinite jest. Oh sure. Oh <laughs> shit! It comes full circle. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so he just like is u- totally trying to just use big words to sound whatever, but he's using them incorrectly. Prognathic so that brings chinless, up your perfect yeah. analogy of a nine. It's like jumbo shrimp, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. That jumbo would be shrimp. that would be a decent Scrabble word. Yeah, yeah, it's got the yeah. G. Yeah, the yeah. G's, the G's not. Yeah, you need a lot of letters though. It's it would yeah. be tough to get. It would be tough to get down. Well, yeah. how many letters is that? P R O G N A T. H ten. Uh, ten. Yeah, you'd get yeah. mad yeah. points for. But, I mean, you, if you someone, get fifty for seven or more, so if someone had pro already on the on the board, right, then, or know, even Prague, Prague. Yeah, mm-hmm. true that. True that. Hell yeah. Or also, thick. just be a nice thick flex. with one C. <laughs> thick. Slim yeah. thick. I'm gonna add Pragna <laughs> to your thick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, even though it should have two C's, and that's yeah, that's allowable. a good yeah. that's a good like Tinder profile that I should use. I feel like you know there are thick. there are there are types of women who are thick but not totally thick, and right. those women should just get the one C. The, the one C. Right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, arguably though, prognathic would be a good word to apply to a big ass. That's true. Yeah, it protrudes, <laughs> dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna prescribe two CCs to this woman's freaking rear end. Oh, your bosom seemed to be prognathic. <laughs> yeah. Good. All right, that's a good one. Nice. All right, now next Harry Potter segment, the fan favorite, 
You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> You're a monkey, Harry. <laughs> You're a monkey, Harry. You're a hairy <laughs> monkey. <laughs> so uh, this is this is what's it called? What's the segment called? We, we just, just did, read, did read another book. We literally just read another book. So you can't be mad because we're talking about Harry Potter. This is the what? segment where we put all the characters of note from the book we just read into their respective Harry Potter houses. Oh yeah, I remember this segment. You remember yeah. this? Yeah. You're yeah. you're a seasoned vet of this segment. Hell yeah. And you're on board. <laughs> and it- I, I, this is a hilarious segment. This is very good. It's a good bit. Yeah. Uh so all right, so where do we start here? I think there's probably what four characters. There's yeah, Max. Yeah. Jessup Max. and Emily. Jessup, Emily, yeah. Parrish, and Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Okay. Uh wait, is Jessup's um simian proto-human form a different <laughs> character, or is that also Jessup? Because it's, it's him, dude. I obviously. Think okay. I think it's him. It's right, him right. from if, a... if you have a plausible argument that they should be put in different houses, I'm open to hearing it. I'll I'm think make... on it. He's part, of a, he's part of the chrono chronology of his his evolving into his current form, dude. Yeah. I just think that the monkey version of him is a squib. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. That's those are the guys who can't do magic? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, they're duds. <laughs> they're duds they, but, in the magical but, world. But they're not they're muggles. Not, they're not muggles. They, yeah. They're born no. of magic users, but they themselves, for whatever reason, yeah, like Paul said. God, that duds. would be the worst fucking thing. Can to you be, imagine? Yeah. yeah, you're shooting. You have magical parents, but you don't get it like that. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. It'd be Kill terrible. yourself. Kill yourself, yeah. dude, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I was going to say something that would not be allowed in the podcast so I'm yeah. my tongue <laughs> yeah chill it <chill. laughs> was funny I like people right, laughing so... at thinking about it. <laughs> all right so let's start with uh what uh rosenberg oh yeah easy rosenberg raven. is oh go dan oh easy ravenclaw i think i think so too yeah. ravenclaw nerd extraordinaire i mean they're all kind of nerdy so we're going to have to figure out a different way to differentiate but yes even still like they're all harvard whatever but he still seemed like because he was the guy that was like constantly like or wait actually well rosenberg at the end was he the one that was like wait no okay anyway i still say ravenclaw but rosenberg is kind of the most he buys in the most from the beginning right yeah he's like yeah let's fucking do this this is cool and he's an academic, but he he seems like kind of like a vagabond also. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have like a permanent academic post or yeah, anything. He's kind of a free agent. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's down to like figure it out and get to the bottom of it. I think I agree. I think he's Ravenclaw. My my issue is I, I feel like um, most of these people are just different qualities of Ravenclaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, like, yeah. Like <laughs> Rosenberg definitely is. He has no skin in the game. He's not devolving. He's not dematurationing and uh, <laughs> onto genetically. Uh, so, you know, he's able to be even the more all in because like there's, there's, he's got no skin in the game, dude. Right. Like just, just the accolades. That's all he yeah. stands to sort of gain from, He's also the Jewish one. Like, I mean, his name is makes him identifies him as the Jewish one. I don't know if that matters, but right. Like, the greedy know, like grant. Jewish he's academ- talking about grants. 
Yeah, Jewish <laughs> academic is like a thing though. Like oh, definitely. I mean, it's a trope. You know? Sure, yeah. Jess Jessup is like I would say he's Gryffindor. Oh yeah. Ooh. I agree with you on that. Hard agree, actually. Because he's he's like he's centering himself. He's like Isn't he's that this Slytherin kind of, though? No, but he but I feel like Gryffindor is the most narcissistic of the houses, actually, because they mm, think of themselves no, as like the hero. They think of Just themselves as the heroes. Wrong. The heroes. And they're gonna <laughs> like he's gonna bring this knowledge of the spiritual afterlife to the rest of humanity. Like that's I don't know. He says he's afraid of of what's occurring finally, and that he's just at a, like a lack of a turn. He's 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 got no more choice at some point. He's in he's at a turning point where he's willing to Jesus like, which yeah. is is he's truly the yeah, which is truly the parallel he draws. I right? uh, I'm gonna go back to something that Daniel said earlier, which is that I actually think Jessup is more of like a Bezos Musk character. Ooh than a jesus character which would make him a slytherin slam dunk that's a good point i did say that yeah using my logic against me by your logic damn (laughs) it's always the deadliest poison yes (laughs) the one you secrete (laughs) yeah gabe just destroyed liberal snowflake facts and logic daniel (laughs) clip this yo twitch chat clip this yeah damn daniel let's drop that in there yeah 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 i would say uh he's borderline ravenclaw slytherin but i'm leaning towards slytherin too because i think Mm -hmm. he's got like that uh that musk messiah which is not a jesus messiah complex it's more of an That's individualistic true. type, like out for himself, out for my own answers. He's a Joseph Smith type. Yeah. Yes. That's another good comparison. <laughs> Fair enough. Matt, um, are you I'm, sticking to Gryffindor? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm still sticking just to be contrarian, but I take your points fair. about uh, Slytherin. I, I think those are I think, basically correct. I think everyone's doing a real good job. <laughs> everyone yeah, we're just being, to, I'm, being, I'm just being diplomatic here take a minute you know? and pat yourselves on the back <laughs> it. so we got uh, emily well let's do let's save emily for last let's do uh uh parish parish mason parish publish your parish <laughs> <laughs> academia right that's good that's yeah good. that's good yeah he's uh he Hmm. I'm confused I think, on him. I think Parrish and, and I'm going to just say Emily as well are both uh, Hufflepuff, but one's bad and Emily's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 so, okay. So Hufflepuff, I, I get that. Where, where's it coming from? He's like, he's more, he's like Cucklepuff. He's yeah, like right. Cut right. to the academic standards. And, That's good. Yeah. And, and right. like he's only rule with... abiding because some you know you know untold body of 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 previous academics told him to follow the rules in this way but and... but he is also traditional like in a traditional sense hufflepuff because he how many times does he say to jessup i want nothing more to do with this fuck this and he comes back every single time yeah, it's kind of a Ravenclaw quality because he's curious. He has well, does he do it because he's curiosity. curious or because he's friends? Hmm. Right. I think it's because he's scientifically curious. 
that's how I read it. He's not disinterested him... in the in the in the way that the other two are, though. Like to the like, degree, Rosenberg, I think doesn't give a shit. Like he would he would bail at any moment. I look. I only say he's Hufflepuff because he kind of is just like not that important in the story. Kind of <laughs> hey, hey, whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, that's just, I'm not, that's just how J.K. Rowling <laughs> set it up, you know. Shit. Well, Shots we take, fired. We take her content and lore <laughs> and we build upon it. It's kind of bullshit in the stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, he comes, he comes in late. He joins the team late, right? Relatively. The only yeah. thing I remember about him is they described him as like a six foot two bearded and like, I don't like, he's just like a big burly guy. Yeah. He's, he's a bear. Yeah. Is he, I think he might be from uh, where's he from in the book? He's from like a Appalachian state, I think. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, appearances yeah, alone make you Hufflepuff. No, 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 no. I was just like, <laughs> thanks for keeping us on track, Paul. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a Hufflepuff because uh, he's a stickler for the rules, um, and that's kind of what he remains. Right. Okay. And I think Fair he's enough. a devoted Fair friend. Enough. He wants to come back and help. He he talks about being concerned for Jessup's safety a lot. Mm-hmm. That's true, right? But he's a firm. He, you know, his rule set is ethics. Yeah, as rooted in you know the pursuit of scientific knowledge. Yeah, his he motivations can, are overdetermined. Right, so he'll just do that, but it still lands him in the right a lot of the time. Yeah. All right, Emily. We already know what Matt thinks. This is the hardest one, I think. I I have I I it's not as hard for me. I'd be interested to hear your reasoning. I think she's a Ravenclaw. Wow. I think I'm with I'm I I put my cards on the table. I'm with Matt. I think she's an easy Hufflepuff. It's an easy. I think she's also Hufflepuff, but I think she's a Hufflepuff for like different reasons than Mm. state them, please. I just think that like so. I mean, I keep coming back to the final scene where he starts to like explode again or whatever into the like, you know, primordial like energy ball. Goo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she, she's like, Gooner. don't, you know, she's like, don't do it. Like, remember that you love me. And then she starts to explode into the primordial fucking yeah. energy ball. Yeah. And then he's like, no, wait. And he like embraces her and he like, suppose, I guess like the, the, the purpose is to, like, be like, Oh, like, they asserted their their humanity asserted themselves over this fucking like you know potential of nothingness or whatever right and so she but like it obviously the whole book is him arriving getting to that point but she kind of had that all along and that weird sort of like sort of faith in humanity whatever you want to call it like sort of deep humanness i don't know i just associate that with hufflepuff in the sense that like Everything, every other house is is sort of pretentious and like the thing that they foreground, which is mm. like courage and in in, uh, in Gryffindor and cunning and Slytherin and like intellect in Ravenclaw and like with Hufflepuff, it's just like oh, just being a person. It feels like I don't that, know. That okay, no, that actually is a yeah good ass explanation. Like she's yeah, just fresh. like that 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 whole ending is just her being like I'm a human being. It's like the very existential thing that you mentioned earlier. It's like that's the big reveal at the end, you know. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm a person. 
We're just all people on this fucking blue and green marble. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, pa- the pale blue dot as a uh, friend of the pod. Sometimes I look Carl at Carl Sagan once yeah. said. <laughs> Carl yeah. Sagan was like, come on the podcast, Carl. Yeah, come back to life, dude. We miss you. <laughs> I look at the green and blue dot marble and I'm like, I don't see borders, dude. dude <laughs> you know what I mean? Me neither, dude. Also, fictional. we will also accept uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to come on the pod. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, why not? Pod. Yeah, we can. You know, he's probably he's probably got some dumb thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> he probably. I think he would love this book. Actually, <laughs> he probably has like the few copies that exist. Yeah, he's like, I didn't feel up that woman. I was only <laughs> part was of the monkey version. Of yeah. The, oh, the, oh, oh no! Oh no! No! no. <laughs> Oh you shit! I didn't. No. I didn't even mean to do that. I said the monk. No, he would you, come on and he would correct. He would correct all the. Went there. My mind would, did not. He would try to correct all the like logical flaws with oh, the book yeah, or whatever. Yeah. He's like a like, he's a he's a pedantic person. Like that's his whole. Yeah, shit. that's. His oh whole yeah, I think I saw thing. like he was reviewing Gravity and he talked about how he noticed the stars weren't right in the like the hemispheres. Dude, yeah, I, I was like, fuck you, dude. Zero out of ten. Yeah, who gives Don't a jerk fuck? off to your telescope? You. I, I, the, the and and you know I you know this is a family member and and I love them but like I went to go I went to go see ants. With my aunt, <laughs> who was an entomologist. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait! Your aunt is an entomologist. Yes. And you saw ants. Okay. And I saw ants with her. One of you the gotta, you gotta write the, like a you need to write like a short story about. You, this, you, I feel actually, like like this is so good. This is one, so of the, one of the best works of socialist filmmaking ever made. By the way, ants the movie. Yes, yeah, I thought it life. was anti-commun. Wasn't it like anti-communism? Wasn't no, it a message? Anti? No, sir. It was. <laughs> I, th- I thought the takeaway was like communism is bad. No, I thought the takeaway was that it's good. Because well, like the ant colony was like the communist society, right? You're you're are you you might be thinking of a bug's life. Maybe. I, anyway, <laughs> go ahead. So you saw the you saw ants with your. No, aunt. it's more nuanced than you think, Gabe. It, it is one at once uh, critical and also celebratory of the communal living sort of. <laughs> Woody important. Allen hashtag right, problematic. <laughs> yeah. Voiced, I think the lead ant in that. Yeah, movie. he did. Yeah. So. And I was and and I was disregarded even from the moment <laughs> I I was a larva. Yeah, that's <laughs> such a good movie. Uh, and she was like, you know. Uh, the answer, the answer, female, <laughs> and instantaneously, I was like, Shut up, <laughs> Sh- shut up, dude. You're like nine oh, years old. You're up, I was nine, I was like literally like seven years old. I was like, Shut up, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Was your aunt's name Neil de Grant's Tyson? <laughs> yeah, good God, good God. You know what, Gabe? It wasn't. <laughs> Her name. This is why people listen for two and a half hours to get to this yeah. content. Yeah, dude, four patrons, dude. Four <laughs> yeah. patrons for that. Four whole patrons Epic. willing yeah. to part with their money to know us personally. Uh, listen. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, we, were, we were just talking about Emily's house, which oh, yeah, I, th- I, I think we all kind of agree is Hufflepuff. But Hufflepuff. Dan's explanation was Very the good. best. Yeah. I still think she's Ravenclaw. She just has Hufflepuff tendencies. I think she's in, enough invested in her work and her family. Her family and her love life is not her whole personality. 
guys. No, well, no, I know I that. Don't, yeah, no, but that's not what Misogynous. we're saying. <laughs> we're saying she's will the leap of faith she's willing to take is one that maybe a Hufflepuff would be more willing to take. Yeah, I don't know. It's just she's a Ravenclaw in love. So you think she's so? You, so I, you're like I think you're she's, like a, I think she's like fascinated by. Her. You I think, think she's, she's Ravenclaw her... with Hufflepuff characteristics? Paul, <laughs> oh, which yes. uh, which houses do you swipe left and right? Fair on? enough. On Tinder, I swipe say? right on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't. I haven't had Tinder in like six months, so yeah. good for me. Which is a big accomplishment for Paul. Shout out! It Paul. is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Tinder sucks, dude. I was it on sucks. it for, ye- for years. Unfortunately, years. Yeah. F in the uh, chat for Tinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no. 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 I'm sure it's thriving. <laughs> or just don't pay it respects. True. Yeah, don't. Do not pay Tinder respects. You're yeah, right it, it just it, forget it. It should be All right, let's uh Voldemort. Let's wrap let's, this bitch up. Let's fucking let's fucking <laughs> score this bitch up. Let's do it. It's not first. It's not first. Oh shit. Well, I, I, okay, Dan can't go first, so I'll go first. Yeah. I chose it so I get to go so last. So Matt, yeah. per tradition gets to go last cuz it's his pick. Which maybe we should revisit. Maybe the person who well, chooses it has to go for, should go first for now. Maybe when we have guests, the guests can go last. That's fair. Yeah. Yes. I can score I can it. Shut up. I don't care. All right, fine. I'll, I'm going first either way. All right. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I think the book is conceptually like a 10 out of 10. Fabulous idea. Super interesting some 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 really like thought-provoking concepts many of which we've touched upon here um i think the uh execution was just like a full-on blunder um and it 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 i i cannot i cannot recommend to people that you should read this book it is an interesting sort of uh historical artifact uh, in terms of where it falls in the like psychedelics era, moving into the '80s, and and it's interesting to read in conversation with the film, which has its own sort of fascinating story. But like as a book, I I cannot suggest that basically anybody read this independently. Um, it's like a one point seven for me. Okay, nice. I guess. I'll go first or I'll go second. Um, yeah, I mean, you got, I don't even think that the concept is even that sci fi uh, interesting to me. Like, I think even the, even the ideas were just like, well, it's a guy who goes into a tank of water and turns into a monkey. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so, like, five out of 10 for that. Um, the writing was just horrendously bad, like, unreadable. Um, I mean, it's hard because we, we generally read like pretty good books on the podcast. So it's it read like a like a bad sci fi novel. So there's other there's other books out there that are published that are in the same realm of writing ability. So, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like it's as bad as plenty of other bad, badly written books. So it's not like the worst written book ever. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the books we've read on the podcast, it's by far my lowest score. I just can't get I mean. I, I I like the effort. Like, yeah, you're trying to write a book and you you tried 
but you should reread it and then if it sucks bury it in the ground and let no one else read it ever because it was awful uh and i also my closing statement is that it's uh if it's less than one out of five that means it's ruined it's le- it made your life worse right and actually yes, this that, fits, that is the this standard fits that category for me That's because i'm I'm going to go into watching the movie now knowing I hate this book so bad and I'm going to not like the movie that much. That's so a good it actually point. it has to score under a one for me. So I'm going to give it a point five. Ooh, damn, dude. That's... <laughs> no, I actually think that's a good point. Ba- I mean, your ba- reasoning based is on, sound, based on though, our yeah. standards, which anything under a one is actively made your life worse. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think I think Paul made a plausible case that for him this book might have done that. All yeah. Right. All right, I'll give it I'll be brief. Um I am going to give it a 2, 2 out of 5. Um and the reason why like I mean I'm with all you guys on like all the shortcomings that you've discussed. I will say that I for the first or for the 60% of the book that I thought it was maybe being satirical. I thought like, oh, this is this is on to something uh but then when it turned away from that i was like okay whatever so so that's why it's like if it would have just finished out the last third of it um and gone in a more satirical route i think it could have been like an all-time great masterpiece potentially um so for that reason i go two out of five uh yeah i uh i am 100 percent was going to say the same thing as dan uh i'm saying it too as well for the basically the same fucking reasons dude chayefsky is i don't i don't care he's an og that colors my opinion of him unfairly or not yeah, and uh uh yeah basically a huge blunder but not actively making my life worse and uh, in some ways enjoyable because i actually was already with the foreknowledge that it was regarded as trash going in as as a pulp novel which i think changes the the perceptions too or like the expectations so i'm going with the two yeah and it was fun to talk about with you guys oh yeah Yeah. hell yeah well that's always true no matter how bad the book is that's right that's true you wouldn't argue we don't whatever we can get into it another time it wasn't written as a pulp novel though it was earnest Right, no, but my my, I, I, what I'm saying is that I'm just sort of agreeing with Dan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah initial yeah. conception. Like, okay, pulp, pulpy book, sort of fucking with genre in a smart way to satirize an era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I ended not thinking that that was true anymore, and that that <clears throat> busting it all the way down to a two from like yeah. a potentially very higher score for sure, yeah. for yeah. sure. All right, well. Uh, Dan, thanks for coming on once again. Evil Dude podcast. Preach. They just came back from a hiatus. Go check them out. Where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, we're not going to talk. We don't really talk about books, but you know, we we talk about stuff that we don't know about. Uh, so that's you know, they don't straight jack themselves into some specific. Mm-hmm. We don't know about books, so yeah, that's a good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you can find us any basically anywhere uh, that you get podcasts at Viva La Dude. Really, just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, that's where we like to, you know, dish it out. So it's all about the Twitter. Thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, we'll we'll get you guys back on 
the the revamped Viva La Dude podcast. Yeah. Uh, so any Sick. old time. Yeah, we'll talk. To, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll talk to the boys. But uh, but yeah. Sweet. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoy this, whether or not you like the book. <laughs> I sure did enjoy it. I'm gonna go this. take some fucking mushrooms right now. So <laughs> hell yeah, dude! Oh, it's yeah. like you know, go <laughs> go lay in uh, in my backyard and try to recreate a sensory deprivation tank. If you got enough dew on the grass, it might yeah. work. <laughs> that sounds a little bit nice. Yeah. Not gonna yeah. lie. Just salt that grass before you lay down. Salty dew. <laughs> Float upon yeah. the grass. Get a shit ton of fucking salt on the ground. <laughs> Salty do. Salty uh, do. Salty do. That's we'll leave it at that. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Bye.